three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host, the man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman, from the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right here. Episode 35 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horrors coming at you live. I am your host, Mood616, and of course, I've always got my two gangsters with me, NES Ruler22, also known as Jeremy, and we've got the Mexican gangster, Double Shot J, also known as JP. What's up? I'm not your gangs? life mate. I'm not your life mate anymore. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. Fuck Gotta change life. it up a little bit, Fuck man. my life. Yeah, I always <laughs> wonder what you're gonna come with. Like, yeah, I have a feeling you just randomly pick shit. <laughs> I totally do. Like, right I, I don't even top. think about. I don't right even think about it. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, a little positive thing is that I'm. I'm like, I'm pretty much unsick. I'm. I still got a little bit of a cough, but oh man, that was that was a rough week. That's. I, I haven't really watched much this week because I couldn't pay attention. I just and wanted I'm to like, like, play. I'm like awake. I'm used to being, like, tired when we're doing these, but I'm actually, like, awake. Yeah. yeah, in case you guys don't know, we're actually recording in different schedules now. And this was a short week. This is a five-day yeah. turnaround for the next show because we're we're going to a new schedule change. And it's actually, you know, way earlier than we normally record. Yeah, like, 12 like, hours earlier. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. I've been up for, well pushing a whole day like 24 hours mm-hmm. i got off work three hours ago at five in the morning it's eight almost eight thirty in the morning now and we're still going or i'm going yeah. so so i just want to warn people if i do sound like a bag of beaten assholes at points in this uh <laughs> podcast it's probably because i'm starting to uh fade a little bit and uh I, i'm trying to keep myself steady going with uh you know the three thousand cups of coffee i've had today but i don't know man i i just you know, sometimes when you have too much, you know, you hit that point and you just fucking crash hardcore. So you haven't hit the second wave yet. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I'm not even really tired. Um, I'm just afraid that I might just halfway through just fucking You'd be like moods. Moods, are you there? Exactly. <laughs> I've heard it happen, man. I've heard. I've listened to podcasts where where co-hosts have fallen asleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's so classy, man. That's I know. So awesome. Well. Well, when you hear Texas Chainsaw Massacre in your earphones, you could you'll wake up because you think you'll be having a nightmare. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I actually wanted to say something real quick. You know about the voicemail. Um, I almost made a mistake the other day. It, it, I, 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 I don't know if I explained this on the podcast before, but whenever you guys call the voicemail, it actually rings my like actual cell phone. And then it's redirected to a voicemail online, but it has to ring a f- real life phone. So it rings my phone. So I just have been not answering it if it's from from a number that I'm not familiar with, um, which 
you know, if I accidentally ever answer it, you're going to be probably surprised, but I'll just, just, you know, just say that, you know, you're calling for the voicemail, I'll be like, oh, all right, and then I'll hang up and then you can just call it again and, and leave the voicemail. Just, just as a little, in case anybody's like really surprised when, when I eventually accidentally answer this because it came close the other day. And, um, yeah, you know, it, it's, it, it's going to be awkward, but you know, <laughs> This is JP the Mexican. May I help you? I'm here for the voicemail. Click. Also, you know that, like we said last week, uh, you have to leave your message in three minutes. But if you want to leave a longer one, just call back and, you know, leave a second message. I'll edit together. And also, one last thing. If you call and, like, F up your message, don't, you know, don't panic. You can just call me again on a voicemail and just be like, hey, disregard that first message. And if you even want me to, I'll edit that part out where you say it. You know, I'll help you out. And I think it would be important to note now that if you guys want to leave us any questions or messages, it has to be in before Thursday morning since we're doing the show on Thursday mornings now. So if you have anything, just uh, if you want your question answered on the week's show, Make sure you send it in by Thursday, but if you send it in after Thursday, we'll just answer it on the next week's yeah, show. Yeah. We'll just roll it over. Q, Q. Yeah, so this has been an interesting week. Like uh, like JP said, it's been like a five-day turnaround. Yeah. Um, so not, I don't think there was a whole lot of time to watch a lot of films, but uh, I've still started... watched 52. Well, I still wa- end up watching a lot of films because uh, <laughs> my schedule changed. I went to night shift, and basically all I do is like, sit in my office now it's kind of awesome uh check on the aircraft every couple hours but uh yeah it's i got so much time now to just sit there and watch films so i've been watching a lot of shit all week so but i guess it didn't work out too well for you ajp i mean no not really like one there wasn't much news in five days and two i i didn't really watch anything i wish i could watch um, I wish I had like a laptop in my office because then maybe I could like get a tablet, man. watch some shit. Yeah, I, I should actually I get a, a tablet, tablet or something. I, bought- I could at least rent movies on whatever. I purposely bought mm-hmm. a fucking tablet for when I sit on the train every day because I commute to school. It's like an hour, an hour and a half every day each way. Mm-hmm. So I bought a fucking tablet thinking, yeah, I'm gonna watch so many movies every every week. And then I fucking haven't used it as much as I thought I would. I just mm, that's I just, how it usually goes. I just rip my movies and then just drop them. So you don't have to rent movies, JP. All you gotta do is just yeah. But if, if, if to I'm gonna them. if I'm gonna watch you know films, but first he's gonna out have to unbox that. his whole collection though. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't <laughs> if, think about that. if I'm gonna watch films like outside of the home where I don't use them on DVD or whatever, then I'm just gonna rent new shit that came out. Uh huh. Um, because you know, whatever, like I, I, I there's a lot of films that, that, that are, aren't even going to be out before the end of our, uh, year show. You know, a lot of films that are on VOD right now that would qualify for this year because it's widely released. Are we doing uh, that for, okay. Anything that's widely available. Oh. And if it's on, if it's on, you know, Amazon instant or whatever you can rent it on Amazon then it's then it's considered widely available I'm gonna have to check out VOD here because I know there's a couple films hey, that man, I you gotta I'm... get you gotta watch that of yeah. yeah I know there's a couple films that's I the really one I was to actually talking before. about there's yeah, that one that's, and there's on my, like, that's high on my list that one right there and then there was like starry eyes and like starry eyes I watched that last starry, week starry starry yeah well I'm just gonna blame everything on being up for 24 hours <laughs> it's okay so just just get used to it <laughs> if you guys remember some of those shows last season like we would be up until like three in the morning yeah. 
and it would be the day after, you know, I just got off of work that day. So I had woke up five in the morning. So I was almost pulling those things. So by the end of the shows, you remember how dead I was. So I know, oh, I know yeah. what you're feeling like. I have a feeling <laughs> next week's show is going to be like that. Yeah. Six yeah. hours long. Oh, man. It's going to be fun, though. <laughs> I actually have time to watch films now. Today is my last day of school. Holly fucking Luya. Nice. Oh, I fucking wrote... Let's see. I, I've said it before. I wrote 33-page reading responses and three – no, two six- to seven-page papers and three ten-page papers. And I made a narrative film and a documentary. This semester literally kicked my asshole. That's when, like, moods, when you said you used to write, like, long, long papers every week. I thought you were fucking insane because I don't know how you wrote <sighs> – that many long papers. You know, even thinking back on it, I don't know how the fuck I did it either. <laughs> it's, like just, I, it's crazy. Like I'm sitting here writing these three ten-page papers. I'm going, this is fucking rough. I mean, but I you know, know ten I, pages really isn't that much when – I mean, ten pages isn't really that much when you're writing like a review or something like that when you're doing it for fun. But when mm-hmm. you have to write analytically and things like that, it gets fucking hard. Yeah, it, it is a lot different. But you know what I used to do is I wouldn't go home. Because if I went home, then I just had way too many distractions around me. Mm-hmm. Like I'd want to like, you know, watch movies or listen to tunes or fucking jerk off. I don't know. Whatever I do in my <laughs> eat time. Eat hot dogs. Eat hot dogs, you know. But uh, um, I would literally go to class and then just go to the library and then just write. I, I'd Sometimes I'd be at school for 15 hours kind of thing. I wouldn't fucking leave because I knew if I went home, there was no writing going to be done. Yeah, that's like so, everybody like – tells me like oh why didn't you do your work on the train because i can't fucking work on the train man <laughs> for one thing it's too loud and for two things i see so many fucking weird people that i cannot just like oh, watch yeah, you, them. Can't, you can't concentrate on is there like a glare for me what like like if you're trying to watch a movie on the train is there like a glare if like the sun's shooting through the window yeah that has to be the most annoying thing in the world um <clears throat> it's not too bad if you could just like if you just like adjust it so you're not like yeah. but on my computer it's not bad but on my on my tablet it's pretty it's pretty shitty mm-hmm. yeah that's i'm happy i don't have to fucking take the train for six weeks oh I, I remember the other film that i really wanted to check out before the the year was done was the remake or the re whatever of the town that dreaded sundown yeah that's oh, another yeah, one I that i want to see yeah somebody might that's not see. released on disc till after or, or what you know? Yeah, something like that. I mean, there's still a couple films that I really do need to check out that are released, and that is The Dead 2, uh, Dead Snow, The Purge 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck all these sequels. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I doubt I'll get a chance to see, like, the ABCs of Death 2. And oh, that's a good thing. That's, wait, that's, I think that's another one that doesn't come out till the end of the year. Uh, or February. Till the new year. Yeah. It's out in February. Mm-hmm. Yeah, today, uh, my last day in my horror class, which I'm sad, but... Uh, for the final project, you could either write a paper, which I did, or you can make a film. So nine people made a film, so I'm curious to see people's horror movies and see how shitty they are. Hopefully there's at least one good one, I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping there's potential to have at least one semi-decent one. I'm going to be sitting there fucking judging them like a freaking... I hate I hate being in that class because I think I know so much more. I'm not being a shaw, but I know so much more than everyone else. So it's like it's hard not to fucking open my mouth all the time and say stupid shit. Open well, your I mouth, can, dude. 
I can guarantee that uh, you know, out of those nine films that are gonna, that are going to be made, none of them are going to be like you know, I spit on your grave. <laughs> Considering fucking half those people fucking walked out. Oh hopefully, God, hope dude. yeah. Hopefully, people don't walk out because they're so shitty. Or it won't be like a cool vampire flick like uh, Near Dark. Yeah, I can't believe they <laughs> yeah, hate that's, Near that's Dark. That's shit. I understand that I spit on your Man, thing so a little bit, but up. like Near Dark, like like. That's a solid film, man. I don't know why it would come off like like cheesy or whatever. And I really think the favorite film of the year, the favorite film of the semester that was shown was actually Excision, which I found extremely interesting. Mm. I don't know why people guided towards that film for some reason, but I think I think that one and uh, Eyes Without the Face, Eyes Without a Face was like the two like favorite films of the semester. Maybe Excision was popular amongst the crowd because everyone was like a big 90210 remake fan. <laughs> I know people hated Near Dark and uh, American Mary. Which is they like, hated American Mary? Uh, they didn't like it. It didn't go over too well. And what was the other one? Uh, Near Dark and... Um, Man. Let me see. Wait, I'm this thinking, is the women in horror class yeah, or whatever? Yeah, I'm thinking what films... How people, did uh, Slumber Party... Yeah. Go? Slumber Party Massacre, I think, was Ant. People liked it so-so. And then... Carrie? Carrie. And then... What did they like? Uh, did they like Carrie? Yeah, Carrie's good. Carrie is always, I think, a a popular choice. Yeah, for Carrie, a, Carrie's solid. Yeah, let me pull up this I mean, thing. fucking American Mary was kind of mixed among, you know, real hardcore See, fans, Slumber too, Party though, Massacre, so. Psycho. You know, Psycho always goes over well. Which kind of pissed me off that she that movie. That surprises me that, that so many people like, uh, you know, like new, like these are kids, right? I mean, these yeah. are young people. Like, like it always surprises me that people can still like actually be aware that that film is amazing. <laughs> like Psycho, though, it's like that we watch that during the the gaze and the foreristic week. So it's like, why the hell didn't you pick Peeping Tom? It's such a better foreristic gazing yeah. film than Psycho. But uh, Sisters, Sisters went over, went over really well. Uh, Excision that went over really well. Carrie went over well. Exorcist, uh, it was a fun discussion. Did it go like, over good? Like I don't, it... I don't know. Some people like the movie and some people don't like the movie, like myself. So that's weird. Yeah. Uh, American uh, Rosemary's Baby that that, that went over do. really well. Really yeah, that's that's an amazing film. That might be one of the best on the list. Yeah. Like in terms man, of I still can't get over that you're not a fan of The Exorcist. That's just, yeah, that, wow. that is a weird one. We're gonna have to discuss that one day. Like why? It, it, it's well, really. Have to give me it, time to, it's interesting. Uh, give me my argument. Yeah, mainly, and mainly the beginning. The beginning it. really bothers me. It, like huh. the slow pace. No, the beginning in Iraq. It just really, really bothers. Or Iran, or Iran, wherever the fuck they are. It just bothers me. I don't know. Uh, I spit on your grave. Of course, we all know that. Four people walked out. I and they showed that in, in there, though. That's. Well, if it's a woman in horror class, you have man. to show that movie. You Walking have to. out, though. Man. You Jesus. have to. Because that's like the main, like, that's a What is this, show. fucking Cannibal Holocaust? That's, a, that's a pretty big <clears throat> horror film. I mean, that kind of, besides okay, Last House on the, the Woman. Yeah, besides Last House on the Left, that was like a really big rape film. So it's like, it's either that or Miss 45. Miss 45 doesn't do it justice. I mean, it's an awesome rape revenge film, but it doesn't do it as much justice as I Spit on Your Grave. Well, like, that, you have I, to show that. I Spit on Your Grave is, like, the first of its kind in terms of just the scale. Mm-hmm. And so it's not it, an it's aesthetically... Like the, 
Yeah, if you remember I mean, it as an aesthetically beautiful film, because it's definitely really, really shitty in that aspect. But there's some really interesting things in that film that people don't really notice. Huh. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> it's a pro-feminist film, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a yeah. debate that will go on for the rest of history. <laughs> uh, let's see. American Mary uh, didn't go over too well. Um, we watched a mirror. That I think that went over pretty well. That's actually doesn't really surprise me because you can see where the taste is right there. Yeah, you know, uh, that's really artsy, and I spit mm-hmm. in the grave is just grimy and yeah. gritty, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I sweat out a face went over really, really well. Suspiria, um, I think it went over pretty well. Uh, Near Dark went over really shitty. That's <laughs> and tonight <laughs> is the curse of the cat people. Oh yeah. Why don't you, when after these classes, why do you not like take a recorder in there and like interview these people after class? You're like, why do you hate this movie? Yeah, I would be very curious to hear that, and then you can put it on a show. My question would be, where did you go when you walked out of "I Spit on Your Grave"? Yeah, <laughs> did did you go straight to the shower and try to cleanse yourself? Did you feel dirty? Like my professor's <laughs> like my professor's really really chill. She's really into horror films. Like I said, she. She worked on the crew of Blood Junkie and things like that. So she's she's a pretty interesting person when it comes to the horror genre. And she's, she's always willing to push the boundaries of what film she, film she shows. Like she's very particular. That's why I thought it was awesome that she showed American Mary even though people didn't like it. It was a very interesting choice to pick. Mm-hmm. So when she said last week that she's like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to get uh, – uh, Italian abroad trip planned so we could go study Italian horror in Italy. I was like, "Fuck yeah, that's amazing." Mm. See, like, I think it, I think American Mary is actually like a pretty smart choice because you kind of want something newer that represents mm-hmm. women in horror as well. So that that's probably about the newest big and her like and she was trying to teach it as a as a modern rape revenge film, and I had a problem with that because it's not really. I mean, there is a, a little what, American bit. Mary, yeah. It's pretty much all rape revenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with that too. I mean, that's kind of why she does what she does. Yeah, mm, I think she does it for money first, and then rape revenge. Well, well which, she's I doing mean, something different for money, though. When when it becomes when it becomes after after the rape, it's like a ne- next level of of like mm-hmm. uh, of um, self. Uh, you know, she's she's enjoying it enjoy it like she's enthralled in the the revenge after that mm-hmm. oh yeah <clears throat> enjoying it um yeah <clears throat> sorry wow i don't know what's going on with my voice right now um do we got lots of news this week it has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life death no oh so it's good that we're rambling about my women in horror class yeah honestly it seemed like it was really slow man it's been a really kind of slow end to the year yeah really with big news and stuff so but first up we have uh roadside now this is an image entertainment acquired 
film. It's called Roadside. It follows Dan and Mindy Summers, who are on a road trip along a desolate mountain highway when Dan is forced to exit the SUV to remove a dead tree blocking their path. Oh, this sounds shitty already. Their journey takes a turn. They suddenly find themselves held hostage on the side of the road and trapped in their car by a mysterious gunman. They oh must God. fight for their lives, a sadistic game of cat and mouse set up against a backdrop of, of numbling, cold, pitch darkness and raw terror. Oh, that Dude. sounds pretty shitty. Really? Yeah, but G- but GP How many missed- times have that been done, JP? But JP oh, missed the one, crucial, <clears throat> the one crucial thing there. <clears throat> the gunman was actually a werewolf. <laughs> yeah, right. Dude, listen, guys. <laughs> How does that sound bad? It sounds like a isolated, uh, contained so horror film. Where? Name one. Where? How many times have you seen people's car break down at the side of the road and they have to survive against a backwoods killer? We don't know that he's a backwoods killer. Well, what else is he? Does he just well, fucking? We also don't know he's a mysterious he's a gunman. He's mysterious, exactly. He's a werewolf. I'm telling you, it, it's possible. But or, is, or he's Bigfoot. That's a pretty damn good Bigfoot. premise. Listen. Though. I like road horror, man. What you talking about? Road horror is the shit. I love okay. road horror too, man. I wish they'd make more. I know. Yeah, Jeremy. They make oh, too many movies. Okay, they up should the make Jew. more. <laughs> Ganging up on the Jew again. <laughs> no, like, you know me, man. I love these simple premise films. I'm cool with breaking down and shit. That, 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 p- listen, listen. The reason that breaking down happens so much in horror is because you people They're break down in ports? the real world. Okay. In the middle of the woods. I just broke down the other day. In the middle of the woods. It's all <laughs> woods, bro. I live in the woods. Well, most normal people don't live in the woods. So is that a fact? I'm not sure that's a fact. <laughs> that's definitely not a fact. But, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of woods and shit around here. I, yeah, I mean, you live. You're normal. a city boy, dude. The woods are foreign to you, so it feels like bullshit. But this is I'm all. A, I'm a city boy. Here. Everywhere I go, I don't know. <laughs> That's what you sound like when you say it was like normal people don't live in the well, woods. That is, that is a kind of true statement. I am pretty much a city boy. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean fucking like – live in the third biggest city in the fucking country. What do you expect? Listen, if you're going to set your horror film in the woods, I'm fine with that. If you want to set it on the grimy streets of 80s New York, I'm definitely fine with that. But, you know, it, it, there's there's room for everything here. And, you know, we don't know much about this just from the premise, but it doesn't sound like shit to me. I, I think it sounds interesting. I'm not going to run and make sure I see this film. Who's first. releasing this? Image. Oh, well. Mm. Image has not been very good lately, I have to say. Well, Image released Day of the Mummy that I talked about last week, and, yeah, that was about as average as they come. Yeah, and they released... But what? Image also releases like die and Bloody Homecoming and what else? Yeah, are they moods release? like all cheerleaders die. I thought it was also average as hell. I gave it a five out of ten. So yeah, <laughs> I I actually really dug that movie. I just but it. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Image seems they release like four thousand flicks every week. It seems mm-hmm. like so. Who knows? I mean, it is very hit and miss. I mean, obviously. these are they the films you see in Walmart, right? Yeah. These are the ones that are always at Walmart. And it'll be $10 when it comes out on DVD. It probably won't even have a Blu-ray. But um, it's probably one that I would pick up over other films. Released. I'll pick up for a buck fifty. What was the name of it again? Roadside. Oh, it was actually called Roadside. Because I pick everything yeah. up for a buck fifty, so I'll buy it sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, we have Wayward Pines. This was M. Night Shyamalan's. Am I saying that right? 
You're fine. Because everybody always has trouble with that, but I feel like I'm nailing it lately. I just call him the shitty horror director who directed Signs. Is that really what you call him, like, every time someone brings up his name? You're like, oh, you mean the shitty horror director that directed Signs. <laughs> and directed <laughs> you have a- Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> like, when's the last time M. Mike Shyamalan made a semi-decent movie? Devil. Two- 2003 with Signs. Devil. He wrote that one. That one was pretty good. Or he directed it and somebody else wrote it. It's he, average. It's not like science. Devil was level. good, man. Yeah, I didn't see it. You didn't see Devil? No. It's I've actually... I've, in an elevator with the devil. No, I know. I, I know what movie it is. I've just never seen it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I might channel on. It's pretty shitty, JP. I'm not saying he's not, but you asked when was the last like, good like, movie he made. Look, and like, look, at his, look at his track record. After Earth, Avatar The Last Airbender... Uh, Lady in the Water. What else has he made? Sixth uh, Sense. Well, Sixth Sense is good. Like everything up to Science is really good. I actually don't like that movie. Yeah, but yeah, but it's so like, I, I can pretty much say that I I haven't liked one film that he's. What done. was the other one? The Village. The Village. No, listen, I I am not an M Night Shyamalan fan. I actually don't like any of his films besides Devil. Um, I never even seen Signs, so I can't say I don't like it. Uh, the village I thought was. I like the village. It's not my favorite. Film. It was it's average. Not bad. It's average. Oh, and he made the happening. That's pretty shitty. The happening I actually I enjoyed in a weird way. Like it's definitely a bad movie, but it's it's almost like a B. It's a big budget B movie, which is you know it's like weird. Forgot about that one. Um. Yeah. So I'm with you. Like yeah, he doesn't make. I think I think even you know how everybody was like M Night Shyamalan is amazing like, and now I think even all everybody everybody is in agreement that like no he's not. No, <laughs> I'm yeah. telling you, even he, the people that were like saying that he was amazing now have even reversed their statements. He hasn't been good since 2003. That's a pretty shitty track record. <laughs> yeah, to not make one good film or like really really solid film in 11 years. It's the pretty dev- shitty. devil. Yeah, but that, that didn't good. get over good. Just because you like it doesn't mean that it got It's over. good. Like, Sixth Sense was, like, one of the hottest movies when it came out. Yeah, but those that's, like, you're looking on a different scale, man. That Sixth Sense was, like, a movie that shook the world. Like, you're not going to get another one of those. So I'm just talking about, like, generally, like, like, to, like, just an average group of people. I think they would say that Devil is pretty solid. Maybe not critically. But Did you direct that one? Critics are stupid anyway. I have it. Did he direct it? He either directed it or wrote it. He, uh, he wrote it. He didn't direct it. Okay. See, that might be why it's good. Maybe Shyamalan can't direct at all. Maybe he yeah, can write yeah. a little bit. Uh, we'll see. I don't think he... I don't know if he's done anything else. Like, he's written anything else. And I directed um, it. But... Well, he's... No, I, I don't know if he has either, but I... I know that he he pretty much writes and directs all of his shit, so that's fucking weird. universal, man. Um, but so uh, he is uh, the psychological thriller Wayward Pines is going to be be oh yeah back to this movie you're talking about. Uh, it's a TV series. It's a oh. ten episode psychological thriller. It debuts May fourteenth, two thousand fifteen, on Fox. Fox. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, there's so much that I have yet to see that's, like, nowhere near on, like, in my queue. Uh, J.J. Abrams is in the closing stages with Sony on a deal involving what's being described as a Cloverfield-esque type film uh, with a contained budget, and it involves aliens. 
Thoughts? Mm. No thoughts? I haven't seen it. I talked about that last week. You haven't seen? Oh, Cloverfield. Yeah. Um, you know, Cloverfield's actually pretty solid uh, for a found footage big monster movie. Uh, I, I, lo- I think it's pretty good, um, but I don't know how much rewatch it has. I don't mm-hmm. think it has any, really. Because just coming off of the first time I seen it where I loved it to, you know, years later, like this year, it, it was like a – it was definitely not as exciting. But I remember the trailers it being a big thing, like what's the monster? Because they didn't show the monster in the trailer. See, the same thing happened with uh, Super 8. Remember that? Oh, I love Super 8, man. I had never seen it, but like I really I, enjoyed that movie. Yeah, I want to check that. I own it. I need to check it out. Actually, yeah, it was actually really good. You know, I'm I'm fine with this. I, I yeah, like I've never these, seen that one either. I like these type of projects where it's like super secret. Like, yeah, it's a good don't know what the monster is. Yeah, it's that's a good monster movie, and you really don't even see the monster that much in Super 8. But it's a really solid film. I recommend it. That's hmm. how uh, Cloverfield is. You don't really see the monster too much. Yeah, well, Crawler dies like that too, but we'll get on to that in a little bit. Uh, next up, Scream. Scream, the the TV series. Uh, well, just to clear some stuff up, Wes Craven tweeted out a mask last week of, like, it's, like, green. Oh, it's it looks like, like shit. Mask. Yeah, but that's an, it has nothing to do with the show. He was just like, yeah. look at this mask. Um, but some sites were reporting that it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's actual news for the show. Like, that's the mask they're going with. Uh, apparently, it's not true. Um, <clears throat> but there was some actual Scream news. And one of the actresses in Scream apparently is going to be reenacting the Drew Barrymore scene from the original Scream in the opening of the new TV show. So now at face value, you take that and it just sounds like they're remaking it. But I have a feeling it's going to be some like meta thing where it's like they're not remaking it, but something like, you know what I mean? It's going to be something that's going to like be like what Scream kind of is with that meta stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I would hope so. I mean, if they're just going to remake it, I mean, they wouldn't do that. Yeah. Well, well, <clears throat> let's not go that far. I, I, I honestly <laughs> don't think it would be very successful. I mean, um, do you think it would be if you just fucking? You know what, up? man? I think whatever they do with this, it's going to be successful because you got to look at the network that it's playing on, man. Most of the people that are watching that network are weren't even around for the original Scream, and they don't—they're not familiar with it. But uh, if you take the model of Scream um, and you rip it off, it—it's gonna—you're it, still gonna have some because some, Scream's so good, so you're still gonna carry over some of that good quality to it. So I, I have a feeling that it'll be successful on MTV, no matter what it does. But successful with us, the horror fans, that's a different story. Yeah, I mean, so obviously your target is demographic is like fucking twelve year olds. I I don't know the the actual target dem- demographic is probably like eighteen to twenty four or something. But um, I, I I know that I know you know kids like teenage girls and they that sounded weird, <laughs> but the, they watch you know lots of them a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So that's a bit of weird news. Um, after that, we have some Scream Queen news. Now, you guys remember a couple weeks back, we talked about that new anthology show, Scream mm-hmm. Queen. It's supposed to be a horror comedy. Uh, and what, wasn't it on, like, Fox or something? It was on some network where we was like, whoa, that's weird. 
Um, but anyway, apparently Emma Roberts, who was in Scream 4, is going to be in it. And they actually have um, one of her co-star on at least one episode, I guess, is going to be uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. And she'll be starring in Scream Queens as well. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, that is pretty cool. So mm-hmm. it's like legitimized, I guess. Like <clears throat> you're going to call a show Scream Queens. I guess you got to put like the number one voted by the fans Scream Queen of all time. Mm-hmm. I did not take part in that vote. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? Good for ratings. Yeah. But, you know, what's even weirder is like Jamie Lee. Jamie Lee always bugs me because like she she'll be involved in horror and then she'll like talk shit on horror. She'll be involved and then she'll talk shit on horror. But the last time I seen her in that Halloween um bonus disc on the 35 years of uh release or whatever. Yeah. Um I actually really respected like her whole like vibe in that. So that was cool. And uh this will be a 15 episode hour long comedy which will premiere in fall 2015. Hmm. So yeah. After that, we have some more Friday the 13th news. Uh, This was actually part of the original interview that we talked about last week where they said that it might be taking place in the 80s. They said, sex, drugs, always beautiful people dying. These things do not change and we can develop more problematic relationship with Jason and his mother. Um, So that kind of implies that uh, there will be some part of the uh, show or the the film that involves Jason and his mother. So that's pretty cool. You know, I, I don't know if that means that, that that can go a lot of different ways. Like, is Jason plagued by visions of his mother or is there actual uh, back and forth relationship between Jason and his mother? We don't really know. Thoughts? Mm, who's going to be as good as Mrs. Voorhees is? You mean like... Who's going to play as good as Mrs. Voorhees, man? Do you know her name? No, I'm saying who's going to pick play as good as Mrs. Voorhees as I'm, Betty Palmer. Ah, Betsy. Betsy. I was close. <laughs> yeah. Betsy. Yeah, but... no, I was fucking I mean, close. Like... I'm I'm wondering if this is gonna have like some prequel type shit to it though because if they're saying you're fucking testing me JP screw you um I know <laughs> if they're saying uh, they can develop a more problematic relationship between J- Jason and his mother does that mean that they're gonna show some some interactions with them when they were both alive who knows uh, but that's definitely interesting. Um, they also went on to say there is no PG-13 version in the world of Jason Voorhees, which that's good. Yeah. I mean, that's good, but it's almost like if you even have to say it, then yeah, (laughs) it's like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. PG-13 Jason. (laughs) Seriously. Mm -hmm. I mean, give me a break. Uh, yeah, and then after that, we have uh, IFC acquired another film. Uh, this is Dark Summer from uh, Paul Sullett, who did Grace, and he's going to be in that upcoming Tales of Halloween anthology. Uh, this is kind of like they're describing it as a set suspense thriller 
to combine supernatural terror of classic horrors like The Shining and Poltergeist with the tension of modern and cool films like Disturbia. Uh, this is IFC Midnight. They're going to pick it up. Um, and limit, limited theatrical VOD January 9th. And uh, it's, it sounds like some Disturbia type stuff, which I actually like that rear window Disturbia. Yeah, Disturbia um, isn't too bad. Fright Night type of film where, where it's like you're like that voyeur spying on the neighbors, the burbs and shit. Like, I, I, I like that whole style. And, you know, there's, there's a few of them out there, but I, I wouldn't care to see another one. Ooch, you don't look very good. <laughs> no, I was just thinking. Um, I actually really enjoyed that film too, man. To be honest, it actually wasn't. It actually surprised me. Yeah, I actually like Superbia for a PG thirteen horror film. That's probably on the top of my list. They're pretty close. Yeah, and I, I'm actually a big fan of Old Shia. Mm-hmm. He's good in Nymphomaniac, so. Yeah. Even though he's gone fucking insane lately, but... Yeah, he's crazy, but that's kind of why I like him as well. His story on fucking Jimmy Kim was fucking insane. About... Did you hear about him being raped? Yeah. Was that what it was Was that what it was on? No, he was about how, when he got arrested in uh-huh. New York for at the Broadway show. And he was talking about how he, like, went to McDonald's and got Egg McMuffins and was like, what the fuck are you saying? Just listen to it. It's amusing as all hell. Okay. Yeah, that definitely will. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, that's it. Besides the uh, Scream Factory um, has originally they was uh, re- releasing Scarecrows with another film. Um, as you know th- what film it was? Destroyer. Destroyer. Um, apparently, Destroyer got pushed back, so they pulled uh, the double release and made it a solo release for scarecrows now uh with special features and um a lot of people were asking for scarecrows to have a uh solo release anyway um but people are still kind of complaining now because they aren't getting it for cheaper i'm surprised they haven't picked up creatures yet that's an mgm film um does somebody else right moods has somebody else released it recently no. Pretty sure? No, it's been out of print for fucking yeah, ever. Who released print. it originally? MGM. 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 Oh. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because I was actually thinking that not too long ago. Yeah, I was like, that's an MGM film that's that's that would be, out of print. Oh, that would be such a great title to fucking release. Maybe they don't have the rights anymore. Maybe that's why yeah, I know my it's buddy, been out of print for so they long. They probably I know that sometimes like these rights can go into limbo. Um mm-hmm. So that's possible, or you might have companies out there like Synapse or Anchor Bay or whoever that are in a bidding war for the rights, and it's like mm. slows down the process, you know, with Scream Factory. Um, yeah, but Scarecrows, I, I I don't know why they don't make it a collector's edition. I mean, you're pulling it from a solo release, just do a collector's edition. I want some cool artwork. Yeah, I would buy that. I'm gonna buy it anyway because I actually really want to see that movie. So I just bought it and I'm gonna buy it anyway. Yeah, I want to see it. I love that movie, man. Yeah, since Moods talked about it a long time ago. Yeah, that was his pick of the week one time. And what episode and what did he give it, JP? I don't know. (laughs) You unprepared (laughs) bastard. I know. I do know when I started my my, uh, 88 series, that was the very first week with Scarecrows. Review number one. What's next year going to be, Moods? Are you doing it again? I don't think so. Oh, that's it's been a, it's been a two year run, man. I mean, it's been a lot of reviews, and 
um, I I think I'm just gonna concentrate on doing like more random shit. Yeah, yeah. Instead of having like just you know a fucking. I mean, it's been two years with this. You know, it's it's pretty mm-hmm. crazy. It's pretty formulatic now. Like, it's like pop uh, collection videos have been going on for about that long. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Fuck. I know. Like, once all these series kind of come to an end, it's just I don't really. I mean, I've got other ones that I I do, but I mean, no, it won't be like that next year. It might be good idea to like make keep doing series, but make them not long term. Like your seven day series, like those are cool. The thing is, I actually have about fifteen uh, theme weeks planned, but I mean, I, I doubt I'll do them all next year. But I'm just saying, I have them ready to go. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's a start. I mean, that's what I'll do. So mm-hmm. I'm actually going to do one right away in January. So I already know which one I'm going to do. So it'd be pretty cool. But yeah, you should get another one of those marathons going with Aaron. Um, yeah, I like those I, videos. I should do like Puppet Master or something. <laughs> oh my god. We were actually talking about that one time, man. That would be fucking torture. Get Dylan to come. I know Dylan's not around, but you should like when he comes home, you should totally get him to like do a video with you. Yeah, I don't even know which one. Like we were planning on doing the Halloween franchise in October, but it just we never had the time. We we ended up doing it as well. So I meant like you know like as a video and stuff like that. But no, we could we just never got around to it. But I don't know what we're gonna do next, actually, but. Puppet Master, fuck, would that ever be hard? Throw it on the uh, Facebook. Have a vote. Yeah. You guys want. Yeah. I, you know what? Another one. Actually, Dylan actually mentioned it because he's like, oh, I've never seen like any of the sequels. And uh, I think it was Dylan anyways, but he was talking. I think it was the Howling franchise. Uh, I was just yeah. going to say that. Why don't you do the Howling? Because it seems like a lot of people have never seen a lot of the sequels. I've only seen the first about Howling. The sequels. I've only yeah. seen the first Howling. Yeah. Um, actually, some of the middle sequels aren't too too bad. There's some bad ones though, man. There's some really bad ones. That film is so bad. It's such a guilty pleasure. <laughs> Which one, part two? Yeah, yeah. The ending, <laughs> man, makes that entire film. And the soundtrack's fucking awesome. Yeah, it is, man. Simple Danning, fucking great stuff. Yeah, her titties, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm out of a person, and her titties still look that good. Nice, <laughs> nice. So Scarecrows, yeah, it's going to be released solo now. And Moods did give it a 9 out of 10 on episode 6. There you go, JP. Nice. So that actually wraps up the news for this week. At least I'm I'm pretty sure it did. I hope I didn't miss anything significant. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I can't quite think right now. Brain's not working too, too well. I, I could tell when you weren't talking on most of the news. Like, Your eyes are so droopy. It is probably the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you look so I've tired. Been, I've been up for a while. Uh, alrighty. So, yeah, I guess that does it for the news. Um, it's your turn. New releases. <laughs> Mood Swings. New releases for December 16th of 2014, man. I can't believe this year's already coming to an end. It's just so fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Man, so nuts. Um, first up here, we got a film called Bodies. That's a great title for a yeah. horror film, right? Yeah, what Bodies? an original title. Yeah. It's like, let's just go into the dictionary and open to a random page and Bodies. Okay. It's <laughs> awesome stuff right there. Yeah, Bodies, I don't really know anything about it, but yeah, it's called it's Bodies. It Honestly, I actually like the cover, which is weird. Does it say who's releasing it? Uh, I actually can't even bring it up. It's Xiaomi Media. Who the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. All these companies, man. It's so weird. Yeah, mm-hmm. I never heard of that one. 
All right, so next up for the releases here, we got a film called High 8. Uh, it's called High 8. Horror Independent 8 is what it stands for. Uh, this is being released by Wild Eye Releasings. I believe this is a kind of like a nod to like old shot on video and stuff like that. I believe that's what it is. Um, I'm not 100% sure, actually. I, I think it's an anthology type deal, though. Maybe it's like Super 8 or something like that. Um, looks kind of cool, though, actually. Uh, then we got another release called Coyote. Um, <laughs> Coyote, pretty awesome. Look at this. Hey, JP, you looking at this cover right now? Uh-uh. <laughs> it looks so bad. Anyways, Coyote. And again, this one is being released by Wild Eye Releasing. Um, it has a dude on the cover with a coyote head. I don't know. I just don't know what I'm doing. That's is it a CGI fun. Coyote? No, it actually wasn't. It looked like he was like wearing a coyote head on top of his head. Oh my it's like god! A, it's like an Indian. It's like yeah. a night wolf from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, kind of. Uh, this one looks intriguing a little bit. Um, it's called Wax. This one actually has Paul oh, Nassi pretty, in it. That one sounds pretty cool. Wax. Yeah, yeah, but it's released by Full Moon, which is interesting. Well, um, they haven't released anything in a while. I know that's unlucky exactly, charms, right? Yeah, no, they've released stuff since then. Well, they have, but like not not a whole lot. Like, yeah, you know, it's like trauma. They haven't released much. Yeah, they've been quiet lately. Um, yeah, this one's got Paul Nashy in it, which is quite interesting. But yeah, a new film called Wax from uh, Full Moon. I'll definitely be checking that out. It looks kind of cool. Uh, then we got another one here called uh, Divide, The Device. Uh, it's being released by... I don't know. It doesn't even tell me. Image. <laughs> of course it is Image. Now another this one image. looks... Yeah, the it looks device. like species the, type shit. It does. It kind of looks like a little bit of sci-fi-ish uh ish i don't know species type i guess splice species stuff like that yeah i haven't seen splice um, yet it's all right really? i liked it it's from canadia <laughs> uh then we got another film here called dark mountain um i don't really know what this one it got is supposed to be like i cannot covers. tell at all it's from like- the studio dark mountain from the studio Dark Mountain, um, I guess. The Hell's Dark really, Mountain. I'm assuming it's some type of like maybe crazy features. I don't know. Who knows? But Dark Mountain, just not a whole lot of releases, man. Then we've got uh, the Screen Factor release of Lord of Illusions. This is a collector's edition, of course, on Blu-ray. Which I already have. Uh, yeah, Jeremy's actually got a copy already. Um, mine's on order, so I'm sure it won't Eight ship weeks. right away. <laughs> like all my fucking screen factories you'll see it in uh, eight weeks I'm really looking forward to checking this out again I haven't watched Lord of Illusions in such a long time I believe this is what this was the last um, film that Clive Barker directed right I think so yeah. yeah so yeah Lord of Illusions then we got a film called Stonehurst Asylum <laughs> that sounds awful <laughs> Yeah, it does, it does sound man. Fucking awful. Stonehurst Asylum. It's got Michael Caine in it. Ben Kinsley. What the fuck? Really? Kate Beckinsale. That's what actually like fuck? a good cast. Yeah, these are actually like these are like pretty well known actors. To me, it doesn't even look like a horror film. Oh, and it's released by Image. No, I'm just joking. It's released by Millennium. Yeah, I'm sorry. Image would not be able to afford those actors. <laughs> yeah, that's quite the cast, actually. I'm I'm yeah. I'm assuming Michael Caine is probably it's probably a. Is it really PG thirteen? Mm-hmm. Pass. <laughs> it looks like one of those stylized, <clears throat> like um, 
throw it like I don't know. It like to me it doesn't. What the hell's Ben Kinsley doing in a film like that? I know. That's that's very random. He must not. He can't be desperate. No, that's that's odd. Um, and then we got uh, At the Devil's Door released by IFC Midnight. This one is being released on like Blu-ray and DVD. I should say DVD and Blu-ray. I should emphasize on the Blu-ray because IFC doesn't week? release. Yeah. Oh man, IFC doesn't enough. release a lot of uh, Blu-rays. But so when they Dude, do, this cover is dope, man. Yeah, this actually looks pretty interesting. I Look at the reflection on the ground, the shadow. I love yeah. that. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Um, yeah, this one does look pretty damn cool. So, I mean, IFC, you know, if you're a fan, definitely check it out. No, um, more that I need to find now. Yeah, they've been pretty busy. Wow, the Blu-ray's now. 10 bucks on Amazon, guys. I might I, order that right away. I almost bought Beneath for 5 bucks at Family Video <laughs> the other day. I was close. The DVD is nineteen ninety nine, and the Blu-ray is nine I'm sure that there's something wrong with that. Might What's it called? That's probably at a the, fuck up. At the Devil's Door. But is the devil Amazon movie? honors that, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then we got another film called Devil's Hand. Uh, the uh, DVD cover of this movie looks like a fucking book cover. It's, it's like so bad. Oh, and it's rated PG-13, so next. It does not look good. Oh, this one does look pretty cool. And finally, for the releases that I've got here, another IFC Midnight film called Cam to Cam. Um, it's got a really sexy pick of a chick's ass on the cover. I really yeah. want to check this That's, out now. That one, I know, and I've heard good things about this one. And she has an axe, and there's a booty shot, and it's like, like I like the um, lights. Like I, lo- I love these kind of looking covers. Um, it, kind of reminds, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like the movie Plus One. Yeah, the, way the cover is by even the font kind of looks man. like that. Font. I have to watch that movie. It's, yeah, uh, plus one is a fucking weird movie. Now, man. now this one is twenty two forty eight on Amazon. So, uh, holy yeah. shit! And I hate buying IFC Midnight on fucking Blu-ray. It, this have, is only DVD. I have so many on DVD that it looks so weird. Yeah, like I, I, I would have to like rebuy everything that I have on Blu-ray just so if I have it. They should have. They should have um, made their Blu-ray cases like white as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, just, it's really annoying. Good thing I don't have too many Blu-rays. I have seen yeah, I only have a couple. Yeah, me too. And then finally, I have... Uh, I have. Yeah, because I'm releasing this. No, there is another release for Don't Look in the Basement. It is being released by... Um, what company is this? Film Chest. It says digitally remastered. I don't know. That's I mean, probably not true. Don't Look Don't Look in the Basement is a public domain film, so we'll see. Um, I like to actually hear how that transfer looks um there is a couple pretty decent prints out there i mean we all probably have about nine or ten copies you know, copies <laughs> don't look in the basement in your fucking collection yeah. just the way it is but yeah I, I always find that pretty interesting when these films get like these digitally remastered fucking uh releases and stuff it's kind of funny but i don't know that's all i got for the release this week such a slow end to the year did you say so um slow. devil's hand yeah uh, yeah. Also, um, that's the one I that have... has a cover that looks like a fucking book. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's like Children of the Corn or something looking. But that always means it's gonna be good. No. <laughs> but uh, I there's actually a bit of like breaking news ish that's going on that involves bl- releases. So I figured I'd share that real quick. 
Um, VHS Viral has a release date of February 17th, and apparently there was a originally a segment called The Gorgeous Vortex that sites were reporting was deleted or cut from the film, but uh, for some reason it's going to be included in the, the, the Blu-ray release of the film. It's only the and, Blu-ray? I mean, if there's a DVD version, I guess. I don't know. Well, I don't know if it's like a Blu-ray exclusive thing. Oh, uh, I, I don't know, actually. But they did say that um, th- this segment is really, really strong. Um, that most people are saying that it, it's it's a, it's a real good segment. And it's people of the 90s are going to, like, explode when they see it is what their quote was. Bloody disgusting. Like, why would they cut out a good segment for... My only viral. theory is because it was made so fast is it wasn't finished. Oh, man. I don't know. I wasn't a fan of Viral yeah, too but, much. Um, yeah. Well, maybe that's the thing. Maybe this one was so good that they had to cut it out because it made the rest of it just look really shitty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was already shitty already, so. I yeah. still have hope for it. It's not terrible, but it's not very good. Better than ABC's of Death, too, that's for sure. Hmm. <laughs> mm. Interesting. Interesting. Well, if it's better than ABC's The Death One, I'd be happy. <laughs> Not a fan of the second one. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it for the releases, huh? Yeah, there was like fuck all for releases this week, man. Next like week's even week. worse, bro. I know it's just fucking. Ugh. It's just not good, man. Not good. Um. So yeah, let's get into the uh, the Q and A portion of the show here. Yeah. Um. I know there's actually not that many questions this week, so this won't go too, too long. Um, I'm not entirely sure, because I didn't write these down, who actually asked these. Does anybody know who asked the the top five horror films directed by a woman? No. Um, Is it Paul Henderson? It might be. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's who it was. But I'm sorry if I'm getting the name wrong, but whoever did ask this question. I'll look right uh, now fucking awesome question man that was a good that question really really good question i've never even thought of this before um <laughs> fuck it's such a good question it just when i read it i was like damn that's a good one mm-hmm. uh i think that's what distracted me from reading who actually wrote it because i was like that's a really fucking good question i'll have it in a sec. so i'm gonna go with that that's my excuse right there but i'm pretty sure it's paul henderson because he always has good questions but um I'm going to I'm going to go first here. Top 5 horror films directed by a female. I'll use the word female. Yeah, it was Paul. Yep. Was it Paul Henderson? Okay. Yep. Cool. Great question, buddy. Uh, I don't have these in any order, um, but this is the five that I have here. Uh, I'll just whatever. Number 5, uh, Summer Party Massacre, directed by Amy Holden Jones. Yeah. Um I honestly love the cheese factor of this film. I think it's such a fun fucking movie to watch. Um, it's not really I, a good movie. No, it it's not a great film. It's actually but, a quite terrible film. But yeah, it's oh, not pretty bad. Watch. Yeah, I absolutely fucking love Slumber Party Massacre. I, every time I watch the movie, I always have so much fun with it. So you guys don't actually enjoy it though. Oh, I enjoy um, it. It's just mm, a shitty movie. You know what, man? I the, I like it, but I definitely don't love it. I think I think it's along the lines of um prom night in terms of slashers like it's just one that i think is overrated i do i do think it's better than prom night but i don't know i actually i'll talk about it a little later but i actually like the uh story of that film a lot though yeah i, I don't know man I've, I've fucking always been 
I've always had a thing for Slumber Party Massacre. Maybe it's because the fucking name is just so awesome. Slumber Party Massacre craze. Slumber Party Massacre, man, just so awesome. Uh, number four, um, I have uh, Near Dark, directed by Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, how could I leave this off the list? Fucking fantastic film uh, was brought up. It seems like we've been bringing up Near Dark a lot lately. Uh, in my own videos and just in general talking stuff, but brilliant film. Uh, number three, we got Ravenous, directed by Antonia Bird. Yeah. Um, Ravenous is one of those films that so good. is just, you know, it, it. I find it quite interesting when people say they don't care for the film. Well, they're fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, what don't you like about the film? I think yeah. everything about the film is so well executed. I still and just, haven't seen it. Oh, man. Uh, I, I love the setting. I, I, the setting of it, just the characters. I don't know, man. There's something about that film that's fantastic. Uh, number two, uh, Pet Cemetery, directed by Mary Lambert. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's Pet Cemetery, man. It's a fucking classic film. Great. And of course, my number one, JP did uh, guess this right off the bat, and that's American Psycho, uh, directed by Mary Heron. I think is what her, how you pronounce her name. Um, <laughs> what can I say? I, I've watched American Psycho like I swear five thousand times. The movie just never gets old to me. It's fucking brilliant. And by so that, American Psycho, he means uh, Freddy Six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Ugh. God. Oh, Don't even get me started on fucking Freddy's <laughs> Nightmare, man. No, that's so bad. But yeah, you know, upon doing a little bit of research on, you know, women directing horror films, fuck, there's a, quite a few good ones. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's actually a lot of films out there. And there was even some some surprises that I didn't even realize or just maybe forgot that were directed by women. Uh, Blood Diner caught me off guard. Yeah. You know, I, I was like, wow, what the fuck? So, but yeah, very awesome question. I loved it. Um, Jeremy? Okay. Uh, number one, I have Near Dark course directed by Catherine bigelow number four i have trouble every day directed by claire denise awesome film awesome french extreme film one of the early ones really solid i talked about it a few weeks ago in my top five art house films uh number three i have a mirror which is half woman but still pretty solid uh number two i have slumber party massacre and number one i have ravenous Nice. Hugh. Alright, um, me, I have, uh, shit, I pretty much have all the ones y'all have. Uh, Pet Cemetery, uh, of course. I mean, it, that one still is interesting to me that a, that a woman directed that. Especially what's more interesting to me is that she also directed the second film, which has such a different tone. Um, and I haven't watched Pet Cemetery two in a long I like time. Pet Cemetery two, but it is just not. It's just not. That's it's not. It's not what. It's just not. Okay. Compared to the first one, it's just not. <laughs> I really like Pet Cemetery two. Yeah, I mean, but it's not. Pet, it's nowhere near like Pet Cemetery one. Like there, it's just completely different. That's an film. absolute fucking awesome thing that it isn't. It, it's good that it's a different film. No, not when its sequel is a different film. No, than the first film. What you want? You want the sequel to be the same as the first film? No, but it has to be in the world of the first film. No, it doesn't. It's it's a fucking sequel, a sequel in, like this, in name dude. only. No, it's, it's not. It has continuity. Wow. Well, I mean, 
I guess. But I'm I mean, just seriously. I'm saying like when you have a dark, depressing, serious film, that and then you make a sequel and it's and it's not. It, it's it's a weird feeling. I like this. I like Pet Cemetery too. But, but I like but it. Ma- but if you're making a film with the exact same tone and very similar to the first, you're just what's the point of that? Psycho Two is the point of that. Friday the Thirteenth Two is the point of that. I I don't understand what you're. This getting. is your bad. I'm, I'm saying when you when you do a follow up, it's if it doesn't follow the you're following a story of the Pet Cemetery, right? Yeah. It, it would be different if it was just like. It, if it if it was like a different story altogether, but it's the same story. It's you're burying loved ones; they're coming back, and the tone is completely different. It's a it's a it, I don't th- when you make a follow up, it's because like it's if, different if Norma, characters and stuff. It's different characters cracking jokes and shit in Psycho Two. You know what I mean? It's it's like it. What if Psycho Two was like not the tone that it is, like not the tone of the first film? That's what I'm getting at. But I don't really think Psycho Two is the same tone as the first one, though. Really? Same same with Friday 2. I don't think Friday 2 it's different than the first one. I mean, for obvious I feel reasons. I like it's the same film almost. But, <laughs> but I mean, but it's for it's for obvious reasons. I mean, Jason is the killer in part 2. Yeah, but that's not tone. That's just details. That is details, but it does add a different tone to it though, too. In my I opinion, there's okay. because there's no because there's no mystery to it, so the, the tone's a little different. There is a mystery. You know that it's Jason. But they don't show it until the end of the film. You know it is now. But when it came out, it wasn't known that it was Jason. It was still a mystery. Yeah, I mean, I guess. But still, you know what, you know what I mean, though, man? There's Honestly, I mean, just having the exact same tone and the exact same feel of everything to a sequel is just like... I, f- I, I expect that in a follow-up, though. <clears throat> to be Maybe same. not in, like, a... Uh, you know, sequel to something that that isn't. I don't. I don't know. Like, there's. It's case by case, obviously. But well, when you're it is doing a follow up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you look at Halloween. You look at the first Halloween film and in the sequel. It's you know, of course, it has to be the same tone because it's the fucking same night. You know, yeah, that's the continuity to it. But like, I'm just saying, like, with these other ones, like with Pet Cemetery, the first one and the second one. I mean, different characters, different, a little different scenario. Yeah, but I mean, it's the same town. It's it follows the Creed murders. They they tell the whole story of it. I, I'm just saying, like it's it's uh, different I, characters and different people, so you're going to get different tone. I think it's a yeah, good but thing. different different, different character. No, different characters shouldn't mean different like town. Like like it's a of course comedic. it would. Of course it would. They're not going to be the same people. The story's a little different. Yeah, I mean, a tone, they're coming from a, different. No, I think I think it needs to be just a tad bit different. It's not a tad bit different though. It's it's night and day with, with the 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 darkness of pet, the original Pet Cemetery and the the like funness of Pet Cemetery Two is a complete shift. That's what makes it so awesome. I mean, I don't think that's what makes it awesome. I think it's awesome because that's what it makes it awesome for me. That's what I'm saying. That's why I love Pet Cemetery Two because it is so you, opposite than the first one. That's why you like it. I fucking love it because of that. All right, I just like it because I think it's a fun movie, and you know, it, it's I, that's I like why it. It, that's why it's so fun. I think the first Pet Cemetery film is an awesome film. I don't think it's overly fun. You think the, the no, first? No, it's film not is fun, fun at all. Exactly my point. The second one is like a fun fucking movie. Yeah, but we you see know, like that's like what, that, that's it's the same 
scenario is like Freddy when they made Freddy fun, right? He was dark and serious, then they made him fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, a lot of people I'm not don't saying like that. that. I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Of course I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's my favorite franchise. <laughs> okay, but I, I'm, I like, I'm I like just, that. I'm not saying that it's like the biggest negative in the world. I'm just saying they're completely different films. I'm not even saying that it it ruined the second film. Like I said, I like it, but the, the reason we got <laughs> okay the the reason we got on this was I was just it's just not the same type of film and and and, and all I'm saying is I'm it, that's what works for me totally. I just don't want to see another Dr. yeah, but I, film as a sequel. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. Also, like that, I don't like it because of of that. It's a different film that has nothing to do with why I like it. Um, it I think that what I think that I like it. I because, think that's what you think that I'm saying. That's not why I like it. I just like. I it thought that's what you different. did say. I like it because it's you know it's a fucking totally different tone. To- it's just a fun film. That's yeah, why I like it. It is. It is fun. And the fact that it wasn't the same as the first one. <laughs> yeah, so. but I. I don't know. I'm just. I, I'm just. When I like my sequels, I usually. I usually like them to be set in the same world as as the original film, not a different film, not a different world. If if then if you're gonna do that, just just call it something else. If if it's not gonna be a sequel. Okay. <laughs> I just okay. Sure. Uh, what a battle. Variety, man. Got to have variety. Yeah, but if. If you have variety, why don't you just call it something else? If it's if it's a sequel, if you're calling it Pet Cemetery Two, meaning it's a sequel to the original Pet Cemetery, then that it's like, then why even call it that if it's not going to be a continuation of the story? It's not going to follow. It's it's pretty much just a remake at that point, and it's 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 still it's not it, the, if the tone's different and the setting and, and characters are different. And it doesn't follow anything that it previously laid down. Then it is pretty much just a remake at that point. It's not a sequel anymore. A sequel is a continuation. Okay. And then American Mary and Blood Diner. (laughs) (laughs) Blood Diner? Wow. Yeah, I love Blood Diner. Hmm. Interesting. That's it. All right. Um, so who asked the <clears> – <throat> so somebody asked a question oh, that was directed at all three of us, but we have different questions. Yeah. We have top five badasses and then uh, – top five badasses and then the next question was uh, – I think I had top five gothic films. I don't know what the hell you guys had. Okay, so top five badass characters in film. I basically, for this question, just came up with... I just wrote down the first five that came to my mind. Yeah. Um, I had uh, <laughs> uh, Adam Chaplin. Um, I had Ash in there. Uh, Freddie, uh, Patrick Bateman, and Norman Bates. Norman Bates is a badass? Really? Yeah, yeah man. Norman really Bates is Norman a badass. Norman Bates is a badass. Yeah, me neither. I'd see him as a soft, gentle soul. <laughs> <laughs> That I feel bad for. Mm-mm. He's fucking badass. <laughs> He's Norman Bates. He, he kills fucking. He kills women in the shower, man. Well, that's badass. I mean, <laughs> most no, badass transvestite of all time, I guess. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. Um. Mine. My top. 
badasses are kind of you know i i don't really like badasses to be honest so this isn't like an easy question for me like i it like like this sig- not like badasses <laughs> what is in, what in is the, the hate in about the, badasses in the terms of in order to be badass is it because they're too much fun <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. I, I like fun i like fun what I is this about Pet Cemetery? Goddamn! I said that I like Pet here. Cemetery too. You know, <laughs> I, it's actually one of my favorite films set on Halloween. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was just comparing it to the original. Anyway, uh, I don't like badasses because I feel like it always comes off um, like an action movie. Like you know, if it if they in order to be badass, you have to be you know just on top of your game everything and and sometimes i feel like when characters don't have flaws when they can't be taken advantage of by the killer or whatever then they become almost uh too too strong and i i like my lead characters and and badass characters to still have that weakness so it's kind of a double-edged sword for me in a weird way i I don't really know how to pick them so i kind of just went with um more of the scream queen type of badasses and I went with uh, Heather Langenkamp, of course. Uh, I think that she's she's really badass in, in the way that she defeats Freddy. Uh, Neve Campbell, who's probably the most oh badass God. of I was, all of I was these. just going to say Sidney Prescott's coming in this list, isn't yeah. she? Yeah. <laughs> and Campbell you said Neve is, Campbell. Is awesome. Um, Mary Beth from the Hatchet series. Uh, Kirsty from Hellraiser. And Jenny from Friday the 13th Part 2. Those are my badasses. Of course, there's like the Bruce Campbells of the world, but, um, you know, Bruce Campbell is a little klutzy, so it, like, he's a little less badass in the Evil Dead series, you know? Yeah, you can be a klutz and still be a badass. <laughs> yeah. That's what makes it fun, though. Yeah, yeah, he is probably the most badass out of all of them, though. I mean, the, oh my god, probably, what am I he's, doing? He's what probably am I one. Doing? I didn't even think of Reggie. What's going on here? Reggie's the most badass of all. Yeah, Reggie is badass, man. A quad barrel shotgun makes you badass. Yeah. Ash is probably one of the most entertaining badasses, too. Yeah. You know, you can be, like, badass and hardcore. You're like, man, that guy's fucking cool. <laughs> and, you, and then you look at Ash, you're like, man, he's the he's the fucking best, you know? I'm the best. He's right. just the best. He's just the fucking best. You have a blast with him because he's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's my turn. Yeah, you bet. All right, number five, I have uh, Chrome Skull from Late to Rest. Oh, we're going Killers would have been an interesting way he's to go, too, because he is definitely badass. He's badass. With those fucking knives, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, I have Captain Spaulding, another very badass. Uh, badass. The whole Firefly family should have just went with. Yeah. That's a good choice. Uh, number three, I have Annie from Misery. Awesome, badass. Oh, my God. Crazy ass, more like it. Yeah, she's <laughs> badass. Like... Fucking, yeah, badass. Uh, number two, uh, the hobo from Hobo with a Shotgun. He's fucking awesome. And I have Chucky as number one, of course. Chucky's, mm. Chucky's not that badass. Just saying. Fuck you, JP. <laughs> He's not. Um, but listen... No, that was a that was a good way to go. That that's actually the way I should have went because I actually always look at the killers as more of badasses than actually like the heroes of the film. That's like all I had in my list. You fucking what the hell? What? <laughs> that's like I had like all killers in my list, and you're I, like I didn't hear your list. 
What? Yeah, I was. I was. I had fucking Norman Bates, Patrick Bateman, Freddie Ash, and Adam Chaplin. Yeah. Well, your list Adam Chaplin's actually too. What's that? Your list was better than mine too. I thought we well, was Adam going Chaplin. Kind of, Adam I, Chaplin's a little different though. He's like more of he's like kind of the anti-hero, I guess. I, way, I I was thinking that like when I initially read the question, I thought they meant like badass, like your you I know mean, you like really... Kincaids and stuff, which would have also worked. Well, yeah, I mean, you could, I mean, your personal badasses, I mean, I guess we all have yeah. different, I, uh, we all have different meanings of badasses according to Jeremy yeah, and fucking like, Kathy Bates is a badass. <laughs> instantly when I heard the question, I thought of like Ripley from Alien. Like I was like, oh, like I was thinking of characters like that and I was like, well, that's too badass. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's badass, but she's too badass. Yeah. Like it's an, it's it, like. To me, I parse because it's what the ones you like, right? If it's just the most badass characters, she would qualify. But it's the ones <clears throat> your favorite badass characters. So it's like, it's like I can't have somebody too badass because I actually don't like that character when they're too badass. That's why I don't really like Alien too much. Is I don't know, like I don't really buy it. Like when she's in a like robot suit, like battling an alien, like it's just too much for me. It's not my style of movie. Mm-hmm. It becomes like, like a like a almost like a parody or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just not yeah, a big fan of like action in horror. Piper, Piper from They Live is fucking badass. Yeah, right? no, he's badass. I, he's he's the shit. Yeah. So man. is Keith David. Mm-hmm. Keith David's awesome. Both too. of them are the shit. Keith David might even be more badass. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. Um, so next question here, I believe, is from Derek. Um, and he asked each one of us a separate question. Uh, the question, actually, my question is in two questions. So I got two lists here to make. Um, the first question was uh, uh, your top five Italian crime films. Of course, on the horror podcast, we got to talk about Italian crime films. Uh, I don't have a problem with that because I love Italian crime films. Um, this is actually a shit ton about yesterday. This is actually a really fucking hard list to make, man. I was like kind of thinking about it and I was like, man, I don't even – Not yesterday, I, last week. I honestly don't know how to break it into like top five. But uh, basically I'll read off the ones that I wrote down first. Uh, Shoot First, Die Later by Fernando de Leo. Uh, just a fantastic, fucking amazing, amazing film. So awesome. Um La Scorda, also known as The Escort. Uh, this is a pretty interesting flick, and it's pro- it's definitely the newest one on this list, too. I think this movie came out in the early 90s, actually. Uh, really, really fucking awesome story. Um, great flick, uh, released by Blue Underground. Uh, Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Cop, uh, directed by Ruggiero Di Dotto. Um, fucking awesome. Ruggiero Di Dotto's done quite a bit of different genres, but, uh, well, not quite a few, but this is this is a good film, man. Really awesome stuff. Uh, the Big Racket, uh, directed by Enzo G. Cassarelli. Um, fucking awesome. F- uh, starring Fabio Testi. Uh, another Blue Underground release. An amazing flick, man. Uh, what is that for? And then I got uh, Street Law. Again, directed by Enzo G. Cassarelli. <laughs> I don't know why I keep, keep, keep saying Cassarelli. Cassarelli. Uh, starring Franco Nero fucking amazing this movie is kind of more like a vigilante film basically that's kind of what it is he starts taking the fucking law into his own hands on the streets hence the title street law uh but it's technically still a crime because he's taking out you know these badass motherfuckers franco nero is one of the most badass guys ever on screen so how so. is he not on your list franco nero yeah yeah i know right <laughs> he's badass in everything man it's fucking awesome 
Uh, I can pretty much name anything that Fernando de Leo has done. Like most of his films are really good with the exception of like one or two, but um, yeah, I mean, there is one film that I left off by crime <coughs> films that I'll, that I'm going to name off in my next list. And I do that purposely, but uh, the next question that he asked me, name my top Lucio Fulci non-horror films, top five non-horror films. Uh, first one is Contraband. Um, that one would have could have actually fit into my top crime films. Contraband is fucking amazing. Such a good flick, man. Ultra violent. Like we're talking Fulci gore in an action film, like in a crime film. So crazy. Um, next up here is for the apocalypse. Um, Fantastic uh, Spaghetti Western, obviously, uh, by Fulci. Great, great story. Um, then we got uh, Perversion Story. Uh, this is a pretty interesting flick. It's kind of like a sleaze comedy. Um, it's really fucking bizarre. Like, Fulci doing comedy just seems so fucking weird to me. But it's not really a comedy. I guess kind of is, but interesting flick. Then we got, like, a sword and sorcery type film called Conquest, uh, released by Blue Underground. Um, <laughs> this movie has the most amazing atmosphere it actually feels like it the whole film feels like it's in a dream state i've always and, wanted to check out like that genre of, of stuff because i feel like i would like it the sword and sorcery stuff i really haven't seen anything um yeah after the show i can i'll i'll tell you some cool ones i got a bunch of that stuff um this one right here conquest yeah it's really interesting man it, especially if you know fulci's work like he's known for his horror films and you watch conquest and you're like what the fuck because it's like fulci but like in Sword and Sorcery, you know, it's like really gory and kind of sleazy, but it's like Sword and Sorcery. It's like so fucking bizarre to see. I don't know. Um, and then uh, we got um, what's that for the the new Gladiators, which is kind of on the same thing. It's kind of like Sword and Sorcery type, you know, shit like that. Uh, it, it's man, Fulci kind of dabbled in a lot of things. He did a film called The Eroticist too, and it's like a straight up comedy film. Huh. Um, fucking bizarre. Like, really, really bizarre. He, like, wrote the script and everything. And it's like, like, once again, if you know Fulci from his famous films like Zombie and shit and you watch The Eroticist, you'll probably shit yourself. <laughs> you'll be staring at the same fucking guy. And then his spaghetti westerns and his, you know, Italian crime. So Fulci's actually quite interesting. But, uh, yeah, definitely check out those. Masker Time is another um, pretty cool uh, western. It's actually an older flick, man. It's, like, from 66 or something. Probably the oldest uh, Fulci film that I have, but uh, give those ones a shot, man. Especially Contraband. If you like Italian crime, it's like, like I said, it's gory, real fucking gory. It's got some amazing kills in it, amazing. So, yeah, uh, Jeremy. All right, my question was top five uh, gothic films, which is I can. Well, what falls under gothic? So I think I got five that would fall under the criteria uh number five i have our the wolf bergman that i talked about a few weeks ago again in my art house films really awesome bergman is the man uh number four uh 1931's dracula awesome awesome classic that jp for some reason has not seen number three uh suspiria i guess i would call this gothic a little bit got a little bit of a gothic tone would you agree with me moods i don't know yeah, I, that one was yeah. one of the weirdest ones that I have. I think there. it's like the grand feel to it kind of almost mimics gothic. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. Number three, uh, Kinsey. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, my God. What sorry, was sorry. that? Sorry, I just opened Facebook for a second because I had to recheck my question. I seen this stupid video. 
What the fuck is that? This stupid video that Moose posted of this oh. guy flying off his truck. It was so fucking funny. Dude, dude, I was bawling this morning. I was laughing. I watched it 30 fucking times. I kept laughing so fucking hard. Because you know when you open Facebook, sometimes videos just start playing. And it's just like slow motion. This guy gets fucked up. It's so funny. Isn't it so funny how the guy actually holds on? Oh, my God. Oh my god, I'm I just thinking about him crying. I could not control that laugh. Like, I tried so hard and it just came it came through. Oh my god. Uh, uh, and then he gets up and he like walks away so like <laughs> calmly, like nothing happened. I know, it's probably one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. Oh, I've never laughed so hard. Uh, I can't look at the screen right now because I just keep laughing. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shit, that's funny. And they have it in slow mo, which is even funnier. I know. <laughs> uh, 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 sorry, sorry. Uh, he's like, I could hold this. I could hold this. Boom. He's like, I got it. I got it. I got it. I don't got it. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 even think about this. This is so fucking funny, man. I can't believe that he held on. And then he just got up and he walked away. And then I pushed him like 30 feet. What even made it more funny was I just pictured moods like super delirious last night, like trying to stay up, like finding all these weird shits. He was like, I was posting like, I was posting like a maniac this morning. And I was like, this is what he was doing. (laughs) Oh, fuck. That's too good. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Continue on, Jim. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, number two, <laughs> I have uh, Kinski's Nosferatu, which I talked about again. Number one, you have to have a cabin in a Dr. Caligari at the top of the list. It is a classic. Moods don't laugh. Yeah, it's a great film, man. I see you're trying to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is that yes. your yeah. full thing? All right. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> then he asked me, "What are your favorite horror films that you consider straight face?" This is like, a, like one of the hardest questions ever, probably. But I mean, you can go anything from like The Exorcist to Jaws to, uh, you know, Halloween, like a million of the older ones. But I, I decided to kind of pick newer ones since that's probably where the question stemmed from. Where I said that it seems like there's less and less as as time goes on, but. I mean, there's there's some good ones over the past couple of years. Um, Insidious, The Hills Have Eyes remake, Let the Right One In was one that was really serious. Uh, the Dead, which I picked because, like, that's a serious zombie film, which zombies seem to be, like, connected permanently with comedy right now. And I was really happy to see one that was just dead serious. Um, and then, of course, you have, like, Eden Lake and, uh, you know, one that I I like, you know, we, we've had debates on this film before, but... I kind of realized it's like actually really serious, and that's probably why I liked it so much. Was the Evil Dead remake? Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, those those are uh, sorry eyes I just seen was really serious. Um, the Babadook, serious. Those are some newer ones. Hmm. Nice. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah, and I think that is actually. It for the questions this week. Well, we have voicemails. Oh, we have voicemails. 
Yeah, you forgot That's about right. those, didn't you? That I did forget about the voicemails because I actually didn't write it down. I'm I'm a little delirious still. Yeah, know? I can and, tell. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, voicemails, JP. All right, our first one comes from a psychopath. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> oh God, please no. <laughs> Uh, and then it continues on <laughs> silence for the next two minutes if you want me to explain it or not. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> you wake up now. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Oh. Funny as <laughs> Dude, play it again. Play it again. Play it again? All right. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Okay, what exactly is this pertaining to? The oh, only thing that I can think that this 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 means he wants is... to be one of the new uh, Chainsaw Family members. <laughs> no, we currently have a Facebook post on our Facebook group page that asks for recommendations for our next viewer's choice. So I was thinking maybe that that's what it was. Uh... <laughs> Makes no sense. Yeah. I mean that would that would make the best sense if yeah. that's what it is because otherwise I'm completely lost. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, so man. when you call for voicemails, guys, you might want to like at least say <laughs> your name, maybe uh, say what you're about to talk about, or at least explain what you're talking about. Don't just maybe not just say <laughs> or you like, can just a random thing and and hang call. Up. Or else you can just say three words like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and make us shit ourselves laughing. Yep. That's always amusing. That was almost as funny as the palette. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, okay. So, Thank you, I mean, JP. That made my day. Okay. Um, awesome. We have one more voicemail. And this one is a little bit longer. Well, it's not longer because that last one was like three minutes, but it only said like one word. <laughs> So, uh, but this next one is actually a like coherent voicemail. So, uh, here we go. Boys, hey, it's Graham Cone. Love the show. Hey, so I've been doing my homework and uh, watched City of the Living Dead, and I would I would love it if you guys came up with an official term for what I can only describe as the brain grab, which I thought was absolutely one of the coolest parts of that whole movie. So, there you go. Be creative. Uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Hmm. I don't know. This one's out of my league, moods. Yeah, mine too. I have absolutely no idea. Um, what did he call it? The brain grab? Yeah, that's what he called it. The brain grab. Uh, I know what he's referring to, but we've got to come up with an official title for that. Well, actually, since you know what he's... Um, referencing can you like explain what what happens in the film well a brain gets torn <laughs> i'm so fucking delirious right now i'm trying to think of something to <clears throat> i don't really think that's going to do a whole lot because hmm. uh, i've seen city of the living dead but it, it's been so long and I, I can't i 
the scene I remember is like a lot of guts coming out of a mouth, which was like really nasty. Oh, like literally like puking out the fucking. Oh uh, yeah, like that 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 scene actually like I remember that scene really like making me sick, Phil, and, and that doesn't happen a lot. Like yeah, that's some good, that's some fucking good gore, man. It's more the uh, it's the idea too, like the like like kn- knowing knowing obviously it's just a special effect and they're just pulling stuff out of the person's mouth. But like in my mind, I'm like thinking of like how this would work at like like realistically. It's just making me sick even thinking about it. So yeah, it's something to do with like <laughs> you, you know you know that gore is effective when it's making you fucking sick to your stomach, man. Especially <sighs> when you're just Pun thinking intended. about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah. Ah, uh, the brain grabber. Oh man, I don't know. Um, do you guys have anything? I can't remember the scene, so I'm like. It's it's hard for me. To... I, I can't I can't double task right now. Um, like multitasking is way out of hand. He can't even double task. <laughs> double task. Multitask. Texas Chainsaw Massacre blew his mind too much. <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking delirious right now. Um, I don't know, man. I honestly can't think. It's just put on the spot. So I, the brain grab sounds sounds fine to me. The brain grab does sound pretty good. Um. I don't know, man. The cranium cluster. I don't. I don't know. Whoa, cranium cluster. <laughs> man, Dude, I'm fucking good. out. I'm out of it. I'm so out of it. Uh, my question is though: Does there need to be an official name for that part? Apparently. Hmm. I mean, what do you call the the splinter eye scene? <laughs> It's the splinter eye scene. <laughs> the splinter eye scene, yeah. 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 I don't know, man. I'll, I'm not I'll I'm try. not good at stuff. I'll like try to this, come up. first of all. You might have to stew on that one for a little while. Yeah, I might have to, you know, contemplate that one a little bit, so Is that it for the voicemails? That Should is be? it for the voicemails. Alrighty, so um yeah. Where was our where was our buddy this week? Well, I think because it's a short happy, week. yeah, the sh- short week. Like I, I know normally he set, would send his in on like Saturdays or something. So, you know, we might see one for next week or, or something. I see, I see. Alrighty, so I guess that is going to uh, get to the, close to the end of mood swings, and that brings us to the corners report, courtesy of Room Org, weird stats and morbid facts. Um, I like this one because this was actually kind of interesting. Uh, you just don't hear about this very often. Um, a New Zealand man struggling with depression recently cut off his own finger, fried, <laughs> fried it up with some vegetables and ate it. Nice. Uh, this act of self-cannibalism is so rare that there is only eight cases on record worldwide. That's probably why you never hear of it because there's only eight cases. Wow! Yeah, and a fucking body part of your own—that is some fucked up shit, man. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> it, it's it's such a rare thing to even be able to do, right? I mean, there yeah. obviously has to be something missing in and your brain, thrills, man. In I your do... brain to let you do that to yourself. I do have a couple questions here, though, because it said fried up with some vegetables. What kind of vegetables do you think he fried it up with? Um, I mean, I'm thinking like zucchini and maybe like, like sukiyaki with fingers. 
Yeah, like, put some teriyaki I, sauce in there. And... Teriyaki, some well, zucchini, mushrooms, teriyaki sauce. Maybe put you know on a bed of rice. Finger you know, licking good. Finger licking good. Now, um, now I want to ask you guys, like, like, how do you eat a finger? Like, is there enough to like, like? I feel well, like it's just like a frog leg or something. That, that brings it's me like to my second bite. question. That brings me into my second question. Do you debone the finger? <laughs> I think you leave the bone in, dude. Man, I think that would be a little rough going what down. What are we fucking chicken wings here? Do we yeah. do we prefer bone or bone? In or bone in? I mean, like without the bone, there's really thing. nothing to eat. I mean, there's just there's no fucking meat on your finger. Come on. It's gonna be kind of hard to eat a bone too. I guess, but I mean, it's such a weird thing. Get fucking stuck in your egg like eggshells. Oh, eight, man, eight that's cases. fucking nasty guy. That guy got some serious problems. Yeah, well, he did say he was struggling with depression. So I wonder if his favorite depression movie is Texas. Of... I wonder if his favorite movie is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, there you go, man. Because if we know, if he is, we know somebody very similar. <laughs> it, it, it makes sense because you know cannibalism, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You never know. You never know. Yeah, maybe it's the person who just left us the voice. He's from New Zealand, so maybe his favorite film is. He obviously likes real gory shit. Maybe like Dead Alive type of thing i don't know mm. but yeah i don't know i had i had to i had to read that one out that's just fucked up that was from the june 2011 issue eight reported cases that's yeah interesting so i mean this is in 2011 so maybe there's nine or ten now i'm, I'm sure it's not you know the stat isn't going through the roof <laughs> is it worse to eat yourself or eat somebody else like what would you consider like crazier I like, think is it each, is it worse to like cut your own finger off and eat it, or is it yeah. worse to like cut someone else's finger? I mean, off? there's a lot of different ways of looking at this at at it though. I think if you're cutting up uh, phalanges <laughs> and eating them yourself, I think you're you're like really really fucking disturbed. But I think if you're eating somebody else, I mean, I mean, frankly, you could just be really fucking hungry. And I mean, <laughs> you're, I mean, you don't might not not might not be suffering from depression and some other head cases and whatever whatever fucking problems you got there. Um, who knows? You could just be really fucking hungry. But if you're eating yourself, man, I mean, I don't know, man. There's I mean, people else starving on. on islands don't even try eating themselves. Exactly. Like, you're fucked in the head, man. Yeah, like, that's pretty if fucked. You're, if you're eating somebody else, it's just like, dude, I fucking was hungry, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think eating yourself, you're just like, hey, dude, why did you eat your hand? You're like, man, I was fucking hungry. I was watching football and I got a little hungry and I had the hot plate next to me and shit. <laughs> I don't think it works like that, man. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. I think it's, I think you're just crazy. So, yeah, that's fucked up. Alrighty, so that is going to do it for Mood Swings. Uh, getting into the what we watch portion of the show. Uh, who wants to go first? Jeremy? Sure. So, first film I'll talk about today is an IFC Midnight film from 2014 from i'm pretty sure it's from spain and it's called the last days now this film is interesting um it's not the best film to be completely honest uh it's definitely not the best post-apocalyptic film but it has an interesting premise um it's basically uh takes place in a futuristic world where something called um i think it's called the fear or something like that where um people get a disease that they can't step outside so everyone is forced to live inside buildings and things like that and nobody could go outside so we basically follow this guy and his co-worker as they try to find um one of the 
main character's uh, girlfriend. So it's basically them like staying underground and finding ways to not go outside to try and hunt down this guy's girlfriend. And it's a buddy story, I guess, kind of. Um, it's it's kind of boring to be completely honest. They've definitely you're kind of limited a little bit where you can't have things going on outside and everything's an interior set. Um, there's definitely some messages <clears throat> in between the film about um, global warming and shit like that, which makes people not be able to go outside and things like that. I still haven't fully grasped my mind around what the filmmakers are trying to get at with this, but um, that's my guess now. But, um, like I said, it's not the best post-apocalyptic <clears throat> film. It's interesting, you know, people can't go outside. If they go outside, they have, like, these seizures-type things. It's it's interesting at the best. Um, it was a good attempt. Definitely not the best IFC Midnight film out there. Um, I give it a 6 out of 10. Hmm. And this film was called... The Last Days, from 2014. Six out of ten? Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, six out of ten. Yeah, um, you know... I don't really know much about that one. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. I don't even... It, like, for it being so recent, I, I thought I would have heard of it, or maybe I did, I don't know. Yeah, it's a pretty unknown IFC Midnight. Isn't that weird how they just do that? Like, they just sneak by. They just, like, a lot stuff and nobody knows. It's what? like, how do they keep doing that? I don't know. Because they pick them up for <clears> cheap. How the hell does it have a four and a half stars on Amazon? On Amazon with forty one ratings. That rating system is yeah, that's wrong. Bogus. Amazon's rating system's garbage. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty much useless. <clears throat> uh, so I guess most, I can go. go next. I, yeah, I can go. Uh, first film I'm going to talk about tonight is uh, from I think we originally came out oh, in 2013. Oh man, you're feeling this. Um, <laughs> oh, it is. Uh, came out in media in 2014, um, directed by uh, Drew Rosas, I think is what his name is. Uh, he also directed Blood Junkie. Uh, this one's called Billy Club. Um, fantastic cover art, man, I gotta say. It's great stuff. Basically, what this one follows is uh, about 15 years after there was like a devastating incident that happened, a couple. Um, kids and a coach got killed on this baseball team uh it's about 15 years later and some of the survivors they get together and they're kind of mourning like the deaths of um you know these well basically that you know that shitty event that happened 15 years prior so they're kind of mourning the the deaths of their falling friends and coach and whatnot and stuff and um basically what starts to happen is uh um this killer starts picking off people that were you know part of the team and now they're at this killer's after them uh, for specific reasons um so you know basically the story is uh pretty basic it's pretty basic but uh the interesting thing about the film is the way it's told um you start to learn things like the story comes at you pretty basic um which is you know very typical of slasher films i mean it, it is kind of hard to be really really super original with slasher films especially nowadays mm-hmm. um but uh like I said, the interesting thing about this one is the way it unravels. Uh, you start to learn things about each of the characters, and uh, there are some twists and turns and stuff. So it does actually keep you quite intrigued. Um, I think there's a little, there's a few moments in this film that are kind of slow and stuff that kind of take you out of it a little bit. Um, but 
the thing about the slasher film is that it has all the right elements. It's got characters that you actually do like. Um, it's got a fucking badass killer in it, man. I mean, really, if you've seen the cover art for this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a dude wearing like basically catcher's uh, outfit, and uh, he's got a spike bat, and he's got this fucking knife at the top. Spike bats with. are probably the most terrifying image like of all time oh yeah it, it's but this this one even takes it one step further though it's a spike bat and he's actually got a knife that comes out the top of it too <laughs> kind of like you know like it's, it's ridiculous fu- it's fucking badass and that's he looks so, so badass scary. yeah um so that's what your killer looks like and he fucks people up with this thing too but like i said there's some twists and turns and uh i i really don't want to give too much away obviously i don't want to get in the spoiler territory but but i have to say though you know uh slasher films are dime a dozen there's always slasher films coming out Mm -hmm. and what separates this one from all the other kind of generic ones is just the way the story is told um it really does work man it kind of keeps you on edge a little bit and you're the twists and turns i think they do work and you know it's not like insanely over gory and stuff but i think the kills are done very well it's all practical obviously but you know the elements that make a good slasher film this one actually has so it works um it's a really really fun flick and i think it has a lot of replay value too i think it's one of those movies that you could definitely watch again right after and be like oh yeah fuck yeah you know that makes sense um but um very cool very cool story and the thing about this movie that really worked for me is that i'm a huge baseball fan so i'm like yeah fucking badass catcher fucking crazy ass bastard this is awesome um and the ending is really really unique man (laughs) really fucking unique i have to say um to be honest i've never seen an ending like this in a slasher film so interesting that's another cool thing about it uh so yeah billy club um i really highly recommend this one i think a lot of people are really going to enjoy this film um it's not uh um Oh no! Actually, no. It, it does run about ninety-four minutes. That's what it, it's, mm. it is. It's, it's actually quite long. Yeah, it's a bit but, long for a slasher. Exactly. So it was a little longer, but uh, I think maybe, like I said, there's a couple moments in the film you're like, oh, okay. Um, but you know, overall, it doesn't really hurt it too much. It does keep you intrigued. Like I said, the way the story is told is awesome. But I give it about an eight, eight out of ten. Eight out of ten for Billy Club. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Very fun film. Yeah, I like that cover and the look of it. All right, so trying to get him on the show, trying. Cool, cool. Well, uh, so far, man. I mean, his films I've really enjoyed, so <laughs> this should be a good conversation. Yeah, image actually recently, or who was it? It was somebody sent out a press release um, asking for uh, people to if they wanted to take part in interviews, but I didn't know the guy, so I was like, I'm not going to get that guy on the show. And I don't know. I don't know his. Uh, um, you know, background. He did something with the final de- one of the final destinations, and then a couple films I'd never heard of. But mm-hmm. yeah, if I, if we do like an interview, I want to I want to at least know the person, like know about them, you know, so I have stuff to say. But yeah, my film, uh, the film that I watched this week, I didn't watch very many. I have my segment pick, and then I have uh, this film. And then our main review, which this film is The Babadook from the year 2014. I caught this one. I rented it. Nice. Uh, so this film follow th- this film actually has been getting quite a lot of good reviews, eh? Yep. Uh, so this film follows a single mother who's plagued by the violent death of her husband. Uh, she has a very um, 
antisocial son. He's about seven years old. Uh, he's definitely has issues. Um, he is obsessed with the idea of this monster lurking in the house titled called the Babadook. Um, and man, this one is about her struggles dealing with her son being a, a single parent who is very judged by the community and her friends and a lot of people don't like her son and that's a sad thing to deal with right is somebody mm-hmm. is people find your son weird or uh you know a bad kid or just not like and they they're kind of looking at you because you're the mother right that it's like it's like it's your fault um so she's very stressed out like her head i I like what they did they like they made her look stressed throughout the film with her her hair and stuff like that um and then she starts to realize that there is some kind of sinister presence all around her so Right away, man, I gotta say the performances were top-notch. At first, I was like, okay, is the kid overacting? But then it fit right, and it was like, it was like, man, this kid is annoying. But it's not in a way where it's from, like, bad acting or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it's not in a way to where you hate the kid because he's annoying. He's annoying, and you feel bad because you know it's not his fault that he's annoying. That's just... the. the from his trauma and his his uh what's happening in his brain and you know his the the type of person that he is like you can tell that it's he's very bothered child and there's something seriously wrong with him uh and you feel bad but he's he's so bratty he's it just he yells uh but it, it comes off so well in terms of um acting uh, and then you have the mother's struggles, who I thought were just really, really nailed how how it it must feel to have those sort of issues come up where you're being blamed for being a bad parent. Mm-hmm. And then you have the you throw a wrench in the thing where now there's also uh, things happening that she can't explain, and it's even getting her more confused. And people are looking at her even worse because she can't prove things, stuff like that. We've seen stuff like that before. Yeah. Um, there's there's a it, it takes a while to get going this one a lot of it is character development well developed stuff as well uh but there's there's a point where the mother kind of turns on the son a little bit uh and it really like hit hard for me like it, i found it really sad and depressing like like how this mother was like taking out her anger on her son who didn't know any better and that like that stuff really kind of affected me it, it was weird you know like it's something something about a, a kid being like punished or uh you know treated poorly because of of something that isn't their fault like kind of just bugs me uh so overall I, I don't i don't really know about the the whole end scene i almost felt like the film had something really good going and I, i'm not i'm not quite sure uh, that they knew what to do with it. Uh, so I still think it's a very, very strong film, but I was almost expecting it to kind of go a different way. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest. So, uh, I still give it an eight out of 10. Uh, it's definitely a strong watch. Uh, might, might've been a, might be, maybe let the hype die down a little bit on this one. Because I didn't know what kind of film this was when I went in. I was like, what is this film? Like, what, what is everybody talking about? Um, 
and it's probably good to not know what it it's about i guess so sorry for that <laughs> but yeah eight out of ten check it out it's it's definitely a uh, top 10 contender yeah i saw this months ago <laughs> what a dick oh you saw this film i saw months ago at the chicago international film festival what did you rate it i didn't rate it i didn't review it on the show what would you rate it um i gotta wait till my year-end show okay it will be on there. Don't worry. So you like? Are you with it, it, me? It's in my top ten. I, I'm. I'm. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm with I, you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, don't <laughs> I was just trying to gauge like your yeah. your vibe for the film. Okay. No, get into it. You're just gonna hmm. have to wait. Suspense. Suspense. <laughs> Cue. I didn't even you seen it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw it months ago. It's awesome. Yeah. Okay, my next film is a film from 2014 released by Macabre, and that is uh, Found. Now, this movie has had a lot of hype this year so far, uh, especially in the underground community a little bit more than the mainstream film uh, community. But now that Macabre has picked it up, more people are starting to see the film now, the film follows a young boy whose family is a little bit dysfunctional. Um, the kid's a goody-goody two-shoe, and he does everything that people ask him to do. Your typical goody-goody two-shoe kid. But his, one day, he goes into his brother's room, and he opens up his brother's closet. And in, his, in this bowling bag, there is a decapitated head. And from that point forward, um, we learn that his brother's a serial killer and he likes to murder people and decapitate them. So um, it's the story of this kid who continues to get picked on, things like that. And his brother, of course, uh, handles the situations with the people who pick on his little brother and things like that. And one day... um, his bro, uh, the little kid and his friend watched this movie called Skinless, and um, it's very influential to the way that his brother commits these murders. And it, I think it's called Headless. Headless? Yeah. It has the same cover as Skinless, doesn't it? <laughs> the real Skinless movie that's out? Maybe. I swear it has a similar cover. That's why I was watching. I was like, I know where that cover is. Well, the uh, the the movie that they're watching in the movie um the special features on the the yeah. new dvd you can actually watch the full length short yeah yeah of it it's pretty awesome actually yeah, I know you it's watch, called headless there's like another short on there too that you could watch yeah but um as the film goes on the kid starts to realize that his brother may actually be um right and he starts to grow a dick and starts to grow a backbone <laughs> And stand up to the people that are making fun of him. And the ending is quite interesting and um, mm-hmm. quite – it's a little bit fucked up. It's not too fucked up. It's a, it's an interesting ending. Um, the main problem I had with this film was the acting. Um, it's not very good. The older brother was all right, but the little kid and the mother and father was pretty fucking bad. Um, they weren't very good. You could tell that they weren't very – trained actors which is okay you know i'm not i'm not bashing it it's a low budget film that's what you're probably going to have with most films that have a budget like this film did but um 
besides that, everything else was pretty good. The gore was really, really solid, um, especially during the the scenes of the spoof film that they showed. But um, besides that, this was actually a really solid film that have come out this year. Um, really interesting and something that I haven't really seen. It's a great, it's a great Before. horror horror film, fucking directed by you know horror film fan. Yeah, yeah. There's that's another thing. Good, thanks for reminding me. There's like posters around the rooms of the brother and the and the little kid. There's awesome uh, nods to independent horror films like there's like a taint poster in one in the older brother's room which i told moods that that's fucking awesome you know that mm-hmm. guy's a independent horror fan because you know he has a taint poster on his wall and it was just awesome i think Don't one you of my love it oh good oh i was gonna say i think one of my favorite scenes in the film actually is when the 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 boy goes which you actually didn't mention that the little boy or the younger brother he's like a huge horror movie freak yeah he loves horror films and there's a scene where he actually goes to like a video store to rent VHS tapes and you see all the covers and everything and it's yeah, just yeah. like – That's like such know, a cool part. It is such a cool part because you just – you get that nostalgic feel and you're just like, oh, fuck. I miss doing that, man. It's just – I love that that he threw that in there because you can tell he's just an old school fan, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a sucker Posters, for all that store. stuff. I'm and a like, sucker for really, references. Yeah, and it like really that. does work. It really does work because it adds to the character too, right? And, and he's just so excited about renting these movies. Like you mm-hmm. were, you know, it had that feel and it, you, he captured it quite well. So I really enjoyed that, man. It, it fucking worked. Yeah, yeah. Is this this guy's first film? Pretty sure. I'm not I always, always love when one of us makes it, you know? Like I'll one, have, one of I'll the horror fans get out there and, and well if fred vogel recognizes your work then you have eh, it has to be pretty fucking good fred vogel's that um from toe tag yeah moods bought this film at the toe tag table uh, well Cinemas. shit dude i mean this this film's in walmart's that's i know but remember we were talking about like the independent release yeah, yeah he bu- bought that from the toe tag table so um like i said uh, i didn't even give my rating i gave this film a seven and a half out of ten he's done a couple other films previous yeah. to this one but uh they're like hour long and things yeah like that. i think they're mostly shorts and stuff but i think this is like his breakout film kind of thing that's awesome yeah you gave it what seven and a half yeah mm. uh moods you don't agree with me no i uh <laughs> jp what did i give it um did you talk about it on here yeah I don't remember. Uh, I I actually don't know right off the top of hand, but I'll come back to you on that. I actually can't remember now. Um, I know it was higher than that, but yeah. So I'll check it out. Um. All right. So next film here is uh, from Black Fawn Distributions. Uh, this is their latest release. It's a Canadian film called The Door. Um, this is uh. A pretty interesting film um it basically follows your your main character his name is owen um he's having a real shit time in life he's having a real bad week real bad day uh he's walking down the street and he actually um sees this asian guy getting mugged by these two fucking thugs he kind of breaks it up and shit and you know and so the asian guy thanks him and he goes well you know what owen um it's your lucky day uh, well, he met, Owen mentions to him that he's having a real shit time. And he's unemployed and stuff. And the Asian guy goes, well, it's your lucky day. I actually have an opening at my job. Um, would you be interested in this job? So, of course, Owen says, yeah, well, what does it entail? 
And he basically tells them that uh, it's 500 bucks a night, and all you have to do is wear this security uniform, sit in this warehouse, and watch this door. And so, of course, Owen's asking all the right questions, which I did like in the film because it's he asks every question that you would ask too, like why the fuck am I staring at this door, <laughs> right? And like what's behind the door, and why can't I let anybody in? You know, and like, and that's basically what his job is. He's not allowed, or he's basically there to watch the door so the door doesn't open up from the inside. So he's there so, to not let anybody out of the door. Yeah. So basic. Well, that's what. Yeah, that's what he's kind of assuming. He's like, so I'm keeping the door shut, but he's not allowed to open up the door for anybody else to get in either, and stuff. So basically, his job is to sit there and just fucking stare at this door um, <laughs> dude so it's he, so funny how any film that starts out like this I'm instantly like like salivating like this sounds awesome to me yeah <laughs> So and it's of course, so funny. the love the thing I love about this movie though is the way it starts because Owen's awesome because he's totally asking every question that you're thinking. Like when you're watching the film, you're going, you can basically say out loud what he's gonna ask, and it really <laughs> works, right? And you can just see it in his face too as he's acting, he's like, What the fuck? Like what what is going on here? Um so anyways, so um he shows up to his job and he starts watching this door and whatnot, and uh um all of a sudden there's a knock on the other door, like his the entrance door so he answers he answers the door and there's a fucking del- a couple guys wearing the same outfits and they've got a delivery so he doesn't know what to do so he basically phones up his boss and he says hey man there's a couple guys here wearing this uniforms uh they've got a delivery they say they need to get it in or you know put it through the door and the guy's like yeah we can do that here's the key open it up and they've got a minute tops if they're in there longer than a minute you cannot let them out anymore <laughs> So basically they they wheel in this crate into this door and of course they get out within that minute and they disappear and stuff. So now he's back watching this fucking door and he's going, what the fuck is going on, right? Um, meanwhile, his uh, girlfriend is missing him and she, they show up with uh, – or she shows up with a bunch of their friends and stuff. They want to party with them but of course he got this job that night and stuff. So they show up at this warehouse which kind of goes all to hell. This is where the story kind of starts going. Um, basically what happens, they come into this warehouse and one of the – there's like a lesbian couple and then there's like a couple other couples and whatnot. Anyways, they start fucking around. He's talking to his girlfriend. Anyways, one of the girls, one of the lesbian girls actually finds the key and goes through the door and fucking disappears into this thing, into this like corridor area. Um, of course, everybody has to go find them. They go in there and then shit starts going fucking down. It's like this huge ass, like almost like abandoned warehouse. But um, yeah, they start seeing things, hearing things and yeah, so I, I'll leave it right there. I, I can't go any further. Um, this is a pretty interesting story, man. Uh, I got to say, you, the, the cool thing about this film is that you really actually care about pretty much all the characters, with the exception of the lesbian characters. No discrimination, you know, <laughs> right there. Man, two weeks because, in a row, it's blacks and now lesbians. Come yeah. on. No, it's just because you don't really, because they disappear so quick in this one that you don't really get to know them, so you don't really care about them too much, but... Um, as for the characters, you actually really do care about people and, and the way things are going down. And um, this one's a fucking mystery. It's basically a mystery. You don't really know what the hell's going on <laughs> and whatnot and stuff. But I love the atmosphere. I thought it was really kind of well executed. Uh, really good acting, too. I thought the acting was actually pretty well done for a pretty low budget film. I mean, not like super low budget, but, you know, it's low budget. But uh, overall... It's a very intriguing watch, and it's not too long. This one runs about 80 minutes, so it kind of gets right to the point. And uh, the main problem I have with this movie, though, is, you know, 
it's one of these films that's completely not spoon fed. So therefore it leaves you with a bunch of questions, Mm -hmm. right? Which is not necessarily a horrible thing, but it's not a great thing either. You know, like, because sometimes you, because sometimes you want to know certain things Uh, in this case, I think it does work, but I think a little bit of explanation would have been, you know, maybe needed, but, I don't know. It just depends on how you watch it and how you and how you see it. Yeah. So, well, I think it's I, one of those deals. I always, I always. This is how I determine if it's a good reason, if it works or if it doesn't work. And that is, if there's a lot of questions and I feel like there is answers, but they just leave them blank, then it's okay. But if I feel like the director didn't know the answers himself, then I feel like it's a cop out because that's not a finished script. That's not a finished thought. <clears throat> That's not a finished film. Yeah, th- this one's interesting because you know once they get into this kind of this area, this corridor, you know, obviously people start going missing and certain things start happening. I think this one has a really interesting story. And my mom has been releasing some pretty interesting shit. Yeah, I mean, this one. I mean, not only the story is kind of interesting, but uh, I think um, the ending is interesting too. In this one, it kind of you you kind of not only scratch your head, but you go hmm. That was actually pretty damn cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of one of those deals, right? So, um, yeah, I would actually like to watch this one again just to see how it would play out on a second watch and stuff. But I really enjoyed it, though. I, I thought it was intriguing. And like I said, it, it was perfect because it didn't run like a fucking 120 minutes or some bullshit, you know? Yeah. Didn't overdo it with dialogue and they didn't try to overdo shit and stuff. Um, I know Derek watched this film and he said he had a complaint about – uh, certain scenes where they would kind of repeat what just happened and stuff. But I think the reason why that happens in the film is because these characters are coming into contact with other characters and they're so damn confused themselves on what just happened that they're trying to explain what just happened to them. And it just seems like it's kind of replaying itself, yeah. but it's kind of one of those deals because it's a total mind fuck, right? So yeah. a lot of things have to be explained because these characters need to know too. So therefore as the viewer, you're, you're getting that also like double time but it actually does make sense though if that makes sense <laughs> yeah it does it totally um, does there's 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 several different ways you can handle those types of scenes mm-hmm. um but yeah i do recommend this film man I, like i said you know black fawn's doing a good job right now with the yeah. releases they're picking up some pretty interesting flicks so uh the door um i give it a uh, seven and a half out of ten the door gets a seven and a half out of ten <clears throat> oh and you're found i can't find found Oh, yeah, I don't think you refer to moods. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, maybe I didn't. (laughs) I can't remember. Shit. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, so I only have my segment left, so if you guys have any more, you can spawn in your I just have a pick of the week. That's it. Yeah, I just got my segment one, too. And I should have saved that last day's one for my AFCs. I'm fucking stupid. So, Jeremy, do you want to do your segment? Well, I just have a pick of the week. That's what I'm saying. Is that what my segment's called? Is that your segment this week, a pick of the week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So my pick of the week is a film that Moods talked about um, like a month or so ago. That's the title called Crawl or Die. Now, this film is really, 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 really interesting. Um, For one thing, I think it's a fucking stupid title, and that's what may... It's to be covered as well. Yeah, which may steer people away from checking it out, which is it did un- me, which is unfortunate because the film is really, really 
a really really intriguing film and a really interesting I mean the title does make sense to the film though. Yeah, yeah, but it's a fucking stupid title. <laughs> that I think would be like, oh, this is a piece of shit. I'm not going to watch this. So, this film basically takes place on uh this planet called Earth 2 where they're trying to make another Earth and there's one last female that could reproduce in the entire war in the entire regular Earth. So this army uh, army squad. They're like a special elite team. Yeah, gets the task to deli- to deliver this package. They call it a package, which is just this last female to this planet Earth too, so they could reproduce and um, you know populate this Earth. So they get to the Earth with the package, and um, shit starts to go down, and they're forced to go into this underground bunker. And um, while they're in this bunker, there's this creature that's um, moving around and things like that and trying to kill them, pick them off one by one. So they are forced to move through these extremely uh, close, narrow narrow tubes and uh, tunnels and uh, really, really close camera work on this one. Um, I still don't know how they film how the director filmed this film um how the camera work is just absolutely fucking phenomenal it really really blew my mind how he he shot this and was able to get the angles that he did in these tight close corridors like i wish there was a fucking some special features on the dvd about how they did the film because i would i would have been extremely intrigued to figure out how they how they were able to you know, cameras, of course, are a lot smaller than they were even five or six years ago. So that's that's understandable how they were able to get a camera in these closed places and things like that. But how they were able to make it flow so smooth and not have shaky and, you know, shitty camera work was just really, really, really intriguing. Um, like I said, the story is eh, it's not very original, but the way that it's shot is pretty fucking awesome. And it's definitely, as Mood said, one of the cl- most claustrophobic films that I've seen, especially during the end where uh, the it's, main it's very, character... It, it's not only claustrophobic, it, it makes you so anxious, too, because, you know, yeah, basically she, you know, this this girl that is, you know, tame. the one, the last girl that can, oh, yeah. you know, pop, repopulate the earth. They've The one girl that goes in there to get her actually locates her, and now she's trying to get the fuck out with her. Yeah. And it, it and there's a creature chasing them. There's like this yeah. un, this creature. It's kind of like a, I don't know, say like a tremor type deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the but, thing, uh, is, but the thing yeah. is, you never, you never see the creature very often. It's all this movie is all based on sound design and mm-hmm. and acting. That's why I think it's such a w- effective film because you you don't need the effects. All you really need is an awesome sound design. The sound design is fucking amazing. It's so well done and that's all you really need to make a awesome film. I mean, there is a creature at the end and it's all practical and things like that, but it doesn't look very good, but you really it really doesn't matter cuz all you really need is like I said an awesome sound design. Okay, but so this, you know, but the thing is it's not even really about the creatures so when uh, like that when that happens like what happens up until the point you see the creature is really what the film is. Yeah. It's fucking like, crazy. And like at the end they're crawling through like this this dirt filled hole and it's so fucking tight like literally it's so so like such a tight fit and the actress was a fucking trooper for 
crawling oh, in these things. She's such a great job. Yeah, she <clears throat> she does a really fantastic fantastic job. But like I said, especially at the end, really really blew my mind how they shot the film. And I'm like I said, I'm curious. I know they said this is a trilogy. I know if you like go on the website, it says Crawler Die Trilogy. So I don't know if he's planning to make some other films like this or what's going on. But I'm very mm. curious to see where this guy goes because his camera work was really, really well done. I think this film has a possibility to be something special later on in a few years because it's definitely something that wasn't really seen before. And not many people aren't going to watch it, like I said, because of the title and the cover and things like that. But the film's awesome. Um, eight and a half out of ten. Yeah, five thousand dollar budget, I believe that they had for the the yeah. film too, which is pretty crazy. So you give it eight and a half. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Moods gave it a seven and a half on <clears throat> episode twenty five. Seven and a half, really? Ooh, I give that. I think it probably go a little higher than that. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, sometimes so I'm, sometimes my ratings change after I, I sit on it a little while. Mm-hmm. Two. So, yeah. Uh, do you want to go? Uh, well, you went last time after Jeremy. Okay. Okay, my uh, my Italian stallion. Bill Palmer, director of the X-rated films Hot Summer in the City, Erotic Adventures of Candy. Candy goes to Hollywood. And coming soon, The Longest Foot, starring John Holmes. Hi, I'm Gail Palmer. I've been hired by Stallion Releasing Company to supervise the editing of this new X-rated film, The Italian Stallion, with Sylvester Stallone in the starring role as Stud. Every time I say Italian Stallion, it's going to make me laugh. Did you hear the clip that I put in last week? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Zach came up with an awesome song. Yeah, that's like yeah, I didn't Italian get to check formula. that out. Maybe it's a better clip oh, or it's something. Fucking funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so this movie right here is from 2014, uh, and it's called Sono Provando. Um, it's obviously Italian. It means uh, deep sleep. Uh, this is a really fucking intriguing film. Um. It is very short. It only runs about 65 minutes long, um, but uh, very, very unique film. You don't see films like this made in today's world. It's pretty unique. Um, basically, it is about a guy that uh, um, he murders this woman in the beginning of the film, and he's got some major, major issues. He's got uh, he's he's super traumatized from like all the shit that's happened as as a child, like as an adult he's obviously still suffering from all the shit that's happened to him and stuff like that anyways um after he kills this woman um basically what happens is uh he gets this letter slipped underneath his door and um you know he opens it up and whatnot and uh it's actually pictures of him killing this woman so now he's like holy fuck man and uh so basically you know he's the fucking he was the hunter now he becomes the hunted kind of deal um now, this movie is a straight-up giallo. It's shot basically all POV. Um, the interesting thing about this movie is that there's maybe five lines or, or maybe ten lines of dialogue in the whole film. Hmm. Um, it's very intriguing. This movie looks like it was shot in 1977. I don't know how in the fuck they managed to do this because it looks so authentic. Uh, it looks 
like, you know, really washed out, you know, like that old washed out look. Um, and it, it just looks so fantastic. This movie basically is all driven by cinematography and, and sound design. The score really drives it and it's, you know, it kind of, it gets you anxious. It gets you, it changes your moods, you know, through the, the score and stuff. But the cinematography basically tells the story, right? Cause there's very, very minimal dialogue in this, a couple of conversations on the, on the phone and stuff like that. Um, but it's so effective. It's so intriguing to watch because, you just don't see any films like this. I didn't really know going into it that it wasn't going to have dialogue. So when I was watching, I'm like, what the fuck? It's pretty int- interesting. Score is fantastic. Like I said, cinematography is amazing, but it has, you know, that, that throwback look that is actually one of the most authentic looking throwback films I've ever seen in my life. It's like they actually grabbed film from the seventies and, and film this, uh, which was just awesome. And like I said, it is a giallo, obviously. It's a, you know, POV, the killer with the gloves, and it's very, very. Switchblade? Yeah, it, it's so, um, uh, giallo. You know, it's just fantastic. Uh, I really enjoyed this film because you didn't really know what to expect with it. Um, there's a fantastic kill in this film, um, that is, you know, leading up to the cinematography and the, uh, uh, the score. And then it just, I love this scene, man. Um, the score, everything cuts out, and then you actually hear the sound effects of like the stabbing and stuff. I think that was so fucking well executed in this film. Oh man, I was just like, damn, that was really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of Italian films, um, giallos, and uh, I guess almost silent films, really, uh, this one's definitely for you. Um, this is probably one of the better films of the year I've actually seen. Uh, not just because it's so unique, but it's just really good really good cinematography loved the look of this film it was fantastic um this one was released by brink vision don't really know much about them yeah um but uh yeah like i said it has all the elements of a traditional giallo so if you're a fan i mean i i can't help but recommend this film it's really really good um rating on this one um i don't even know what i'd give it it's it's actually kind of difficult to rate but um, I'd probably get it, give it a solid eight out of ten. I mean, there's not really a whole lot I can say about this one because it's like I said, it's a giallo. So, you know, reviewing giallos is is difficult. But the elements, though, man, holy fuck, this thing what is was beautiful. The title? It's called Sano Profondo. Oh my god, you're gonna have to send me that after the show so I can put it on the page. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will. Um, but uh, oh my god, this one it, it's pretty fucking interesting. I definitely highly recommend this one it's awesome stuff awesome awesome you said eight out of ten yeah okay so uh that just leaves me right yep okay i'm going to debut my segment that i'm gonna hold on to for a couple weeks probably tonight and that is uh it's gonna be called horror 101 all right everybody settle down would you sit down, please? You mean they're not in this class? No. Are you in this class? No. You want to get out then, please? No. And this is going to be focusing on documentaries either about horror films or about something horrific, kind of learning. It's, uh, you know, learning, you know, they're informative. So that's why I went with Horror 101. I couldn't really think of anything like moods. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, we're just going to be going down week by week, and I'll bring some sort of a documentary based on, you know, horror cinema or, you know, something similar to that. 
this week I decided to kick it off with the actual, probably the first documentary I remember seeing about horror films. And that is Going to Pieces, The Rise and Fall of a Slasher Film yep. from the year 2006. This one basically goes through the history of the start of slasher films into the 90s where they kind of eventually fell off and now they're they're not dead per se but they're definitely not as creative and on top of the genre as they once was uh you have a lot of cool interviews in this one with a a lot of different people um one person who i found very interesting when they talked was amy jones who of course directed the uh slumber party massacre film and uh you know she's kind of a feminist or whatever and i i found that she really was making a lot of sense with the stuff that she was saying slumber party massacre is not a feminist film and uh there was (laughs) actually all three of those films were directed by women too yeah were they she wanted it to be a feminist film but it just went downhill yeah yeah it's interesting yeah that whole trilogy was directed by women and, you know, there's Stan Winston and Tom Savini. I, I found Tom Savini to come off a lot of, like, vi- Tom Savini comes like he off in real life. Ish, man. He just does. And I know he's said that that's just how he's perceived and he's not really like that and stuff. But Maybe it's, I guess we'll find out in April if he's a dick or not. Yeah, I guess he'll be there, right? Well, Tom Savini stayed at our hotel one time before I worked there, and uh, he didn't leave a tip, so... <laughs> <laughs> That is dickish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh but you know, Tom Savini, obviously a godfather when it comes to special effects. Uh you got Greg Nicotero in there, Rob Zombie. Um I found that this one was filmed like so I, I when I first seen this, I thought it was amazing. Uh not so much anymore. It's still very, very solid, but I think because it was the first time I ever seen people talking about horror films and like them being made and stuff. I was like really, really impressed. You know, two thousand what six or whatever. That was quite a while ago. For um, I, I hadn't seen a documentary before that uh, on horror films. And Maybe like one of the more mainstream ones. Yeah, but you know, watching it now, they really don't touch on a lot of the slasher genre. They kind of briefly—it's a brief history of it. They start with the big ones like Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth. Um, and then they talk about the slew of films to come out afterwards. They talk briefly about Canada's involvement in, you know, the taxes and stuff, how the films were easy to make it during the 80s up in Canada and stuff. Uh, but they didn't go into it like I thought I remembered them doing. Uh, one thing that when they when a lot of the interviews, I it found it really annoying that they they it seemed like the director or whoever had an idea where he wanted to capture. Uh, people's interviews when they're like walking forward and you know the camera's moving backward but it seems like they overused it and it feels really awkward it's like it's like eh, it, it feels like they shouldn't be walking that long and stuff like that it's like they, it feels like they just like, all right, all right no reset go back to the beginning you know walk, keep, continue the story <laughs> um but i love the idea of this and i would love to see like a follow-up to this and focus more heavily on the 
the slashers that were kind of um, not the the big hitters of that time because there were so many. And, you know, sometimes during this you'll see them just flash images of different slashers and stuff, um, just the cover arts. And, and I really, really like that. I love slashers. And to see, you know, j- just to see the story of slashers was really cool, but I feel like it could be done better. I feel like there's a lot, lot more to say about the history of the genre. And especially now with the types of slashers that we get now that, it's definitely a new era um but yeah overall you know still a very solid fun watch i like when they kind of focused on the um the uh political and like the 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 silent night deadly night stuff where people were just outraged of slashers especially like holiday slashers like silent night deadly night uh they had uh, cisco and ebert clips on there that are just so laughable man those guys hated these things oh my god i already posted that actually on the group page not too long ago because every every time i watch that clip it just kills me that he that that he starts fucking calling out people it's like one of the best reviews i've ever read in my life because like, they, Cisco they, starts calling out people by name. <laughs> listen, because so they don't, they don't only say like like these films are bad, and the filmmakers are bad, but they actually start criticizing the people that watch these films, and that's I when I think that you uh, are going overboard there because <laughs> he's basically insulting anybody. Oh, they didn't even step over the line; they fucking <laughs> jumped fucking twenty feet past it. Yeah, and um, they can't, were can't deny they what were Ebert did though, man. Uh, what? Eeper was the man. Uh, overrated. Because <laughs> he was an asshole? I mean, obviously he he was amazing at what he did, right? But the guy was very... Well, he, was, he, he was very biased. He was so super close-minded when it came to horror films. Yeah, he was I very mean, biased with his personal beliefs. And he <laughs> let that, that... I mean, but I guess you have to be. I don't know. I don't know, man. It. I, I just feel like... I feel like when he took the stance against horror films, he was almost afraid to like reverse that because uh-huh. he didn't want to be perceived as going back on what he originally said. When really, when you when it comes down to it, and you find out that you was wrong, it's always better to to admit it and and go the other way instead of just sticking to your guns. Because sticking to your guns isn't necessarily the right thing to do when it comes to actually be, after you've like realized he was wrong. And uh, but th- this documentary, a lot of fun. I, I mean, it, it it's cool to see the clips and people talking about it. Um, like I said, I wish I wish it would have went even more in depth. But overall, I give it a seven out of ten. Yeah, it's probably what I give it to. I I find it pretty entertaining. I haven't watched it in a while. I didn't actually even see uh, Going to Pieces until what last year. I think it was the first time I watched that one. Mm-hmm. It was pretty weird because I remember you even yeah. saying JP to me, you're like, "What? You have never seen that before?" I'm like, "Yeah, because it was one." It was one that I knew about forever. I just never got around to checking it out. And yeah, because for a long time, that one was considered to be one of the better horror documentaries ever made because this was before Elm Street Legacy and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nothing touches that one, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, mine too. I love that documentary. It's so fucking good. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, so let me know if you guys like this segment, if you want me to continue doing a documentary every week or, or what's up. Yeah, same with uh, my Italian styling. Give me some feedback if you guys want to hear about more Italian films. Um, I guess I could do IFCs starting next week. I had one this week. I sh- fucking forgot. I mean, it just gives me a reason just to watch tons of Italian films. So That's why I'm doing it. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, it's not like I need a reason to, but it's just it's fun to talk about. What are you munching on, JP? So. <laughs> I'm so hungry. <laughs> Me too. But it doesn't, I'm not fucking eating. I got to go soon. Okay. Um. Yeah, we'll get into... You guys don't have any quick cuts, do you? Nope. All right. Nope. Well, I, I got a couple here. I'll make them real quick. Uh, I watched this one actually at work last night. I'd never seen it before. Um, I was fucking obviously bored on Netflix. So I watched The Hole from 2009. Uh, this was directed by... This is the PG-13 one. Is it Joe Dante? Yeah, yeah, Joe Dante did this one. Um, yeah, it is a PG-13 film, which I understand why it was rated P- I think the only reason was is just because of the language that was in the film. There was a little bit of swearing, so I think they gave it a PG-13. Um, this one is kind of similar to, you know, The Gate in a way, but not really. I love um, The Gate. I mean, it has a, you know, kind of similar. Which was premise. also PG, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, basically, it's about this uh, family that goes that moves out to the country, and uh, they find this hole in their basement, and um, they don't know what uh, the, the there's an older brother and a younger brother. They find this hole in the basement, and some crazy shit starts happening. Um, it's actually pretty intriguing, man. I, I kind of liked how the hole was playing off their fears and stuff like that. So their personal fears is what would eventually happen to them out in the real world and stuff like that. I thought it was actually pretty, pretty cool. It was entertaining as fuck, man. I, you know, I know when people think of PG 13 films, they get kind of freaked out. I know Jeremy fucking <laughs> always stresses how much he sure, does garbage like it, but, for kids under 13, mm-hmm. but this one, but this one right here was actually really well executed. It felt like, you know, what's well, Joe Dante too. He's, he's known for making these good, the PG 13s. Yeah. I mean, I really recommend this film. I had like I, I didn't really know what to expect going into it. Like, hey, hey, hey! You know, not, I'm, I'm all, always... not all PG thirteen films are shitty. JP, you asshole. Mm-hmm. Just most of them. I but know. I'm one, always the one that defended a couple, right? I I had heard some mixed opinions on this one, and you know that's probably pretty normal with a film like this. But I had I thought it felt really good. Like this one has a lot to offer for adults and you know younger young, younger kids and stuff. So yeah, I think I, I think it has that, you know, it manages to capture, you know, a lot of different age groups. So really entertaining. Eight out of ten. I thought it was fantastic. Wow. I, I loved the uh, the whole fear thing. I thought it was great, um, especially with the jester, the clown. Oh, my God. Fuck. The way they did the the effects with the this little jester, it was creepy as fuck. And this little girl in this film, creepy as fuck. Seriously, I like. I mean, I understand. I was at this airport all by myself <laughs> last night, and I'm watching this shit in the dark, and I'm like, okay, getting a little creeped out. But um, it was it was good, man. I enjoyed it. Uh, next up, I watched a film called IBS uh, Irritable Bowel Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it is about a guy with IBS, and uh, the only way that he can cure his IBS, or he figures out how to cure his IBS. Uh, after he's been to he's tried every fucking medical thing in the book he's been to every doctor nothing works he has an accident with a coworker one time and he accidentally kills him and he notices that his ibs is gone so then he goes on a killing spree to cure his ibs and that <laughs> sounds effing ridiculous yeah it sounds oh stupid my, there is so many funny ass scenes with this guy shitting on the toilet like i was literally <laughs> fucking laughing out loud watching this film man uh, it, yeah the premise is fucking retarded yeah. it's by the same director that did sloppy the psychotic oh nice so it's it has a very similar tone and it's not like it's honestly it's not like super super goofy 
um, with the kills and stuff are actually pretty vicious and shit. But like, there's a lot of scenes where he's sitting on the toilet shitting. That has to be probably one of the worst covers I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it looks like a fucking like Microsoft Paint. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's bad. That's terrible. <laughs> or, but, you know, overall, I mean, I had fun with it. I give it a six and a half out of ten. It was actually pretty entertaining. Um, the sound effects for him shitting just sounded so fucking real. It was gross. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, next up, I watched a film called The Experiment. Uh, what was the rating a, on that? Uh, six, six and, and a half. half. Next up, I watched a, one, a film called The Experiment. Um, this one was from 2012. Uh, it's basically about a girl that is really down on her luck, needs money. She's been, she's a stripper or whatever. Um, needs fucking money. So she takes this job at this, at this house or whatever, doing experimental drugs and a whole pile of crazy shit happens and stuff. Um, it was absolutely horrendous. It was so fucking bad. Like this movie didn't go anywhere. You just, it basically, you know, her taking the drugs was just a reason to like, you know, do trippy camera shit and stuff. It was fucking ridiculously bad. I fucking hated this movie. Uh, one and a half out of ten. It was oh. just so bad. Oh, that's bloody I homecoming hated it. I hate this. I could not. And it was short too, man. I think this movie was like 65, 70 minutes. And I, I must have looked at the time like nine times. It was so bad. Like these pointless stripping. Oh, fuck. It was bad, man. It was stupid. Uh, and then last up here, I watched a film called uh, Dead Time Stories. This is the one from 1986. Oh, my God. I thought you was going to say the George Romero. the George Romero one because I've been telling you to watch that for years. I know, and I still haven't gotten around to it. But anyways, I picked up Dead Time Stories um, from 1986. Uh, it's, of course, an anthology film. And this one basically plays on, um, you know, little kid stories. Um, the first one, and they're really cool variations, too. The first one is uh, Peter and the Witches. Um Probably my least liked one out of the out of the stories. Uh, it's got a pretty interesting story. If you guys know the the stories behind these, you know what I'm kind of getting at. But Peter and the Witches, pretty creepy characters and shit. Not too bad. Uh, the next one was Little Red Riding Hood. Um, <laughs> so the way they the way they did these stories in here, um, very actually kind of cool, man. They kind of set them up like a lot different. Like these are definitely not kid stories at all. Uh, with Little Red Riding Hood. Um, basically about this girl that goes out to get her grandma's medicine and uh she ends up getting this dude's drugs and shit and this guy's like a fucking werewolf and stuff and uh chases her down and shit it's it's actually pretty fucking entertaining i like the way they kind of twisted the story a little bit and then the third one is goldilocks and the three bears um this one was actually the best out of the three stories goldilocks is basically a mass murder and she's been killing people and hiding these bodies in this house um the three bears are a family called the bears <laughs> and they just escaped from this mental asylum and anyways they found their way back to their house and of course goldilocks is at their house with all these dead bodies and then they they kind of get together and do their thing <laughs> so that's awesome I, I thought that was a really really fucking awesome short um this anthology series was all directed by the same guy um but very cool that he you know he took these you know children's stories and, and kind of twist them into their own little twisted ways little this red a pretty shitty stories. release uh no this is released by image um yeah this is i i believe this is actually out of print too this dead time stories release um yeah it's it, it was pretty it's pretty fucking fun actually to be honest i give it about a seven out of ten they kind of progressively get better i said peter and the witches was decent little red riding Hood was a little better but the third one goldilocks and three bears was the best story i had a lot of fun with it so 
I guess I have to have an anthology in every fucking week that I do. So, <laughs> and that is it for quick cuts. Sort of. Awesome. <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to you know talk about an anthology film without bringing up all the shorts. You know? Yeah. So, all right. So, getting into the featured review. Uh, this is courtesy of Scream Factory. This is a film that came out originally in 1985, yeah. starring the two-time James Bond, Timothy Dalton. This one's got lots of familiar faces in it. Of course, you got Julian Sands from, of course, The Warlock. Well, two films, anyways. Uh, Not, the in this one? One. Not the House Halls of Pain of one. Not the House of Pain uh, one. And, of course, we got Patrick Stewart in this film, too. Uh, the film is called Doctor and the Devils. I think we're being supplied with the victims of murder. We are anatomists, not policemen. We're scientists, not moralists. I need bodies. They brought bodies. I pay for what I need. I do not hire murderers. In a time when men of science... Do you realize the progress that could be made in medicine if we were to be given free access? To what? Bodies worked hand in hand with men of evil. There's work to be done. No need to be made. A doctor's desire for the truth became an obsession. This is the best material I've had in years. And a criminal's greed <coughs> became something much deadlier. You just have your money ready and your mouth shut. This one's fresh. Too fresh. I'm frightened, Thomas. Oh, well, for God's sake! They need assistance. Let me go. I won't say nothing. Swear it! Fallon and Broom provide that assistance. They will call you murderer and butcher. The man must be stopped. Ah! You're a rotten, lying murderer. Fresh bodies, fresh bodies. What you love is the feeling when you're stopping our life. The Doctor and the Devils. Uh, this is basically another version of the Birkenhair story, if you guys are not familiar with that story. We'll get into the plot of it, and it might refresh your memory. Someone want to give the plot? Uh, sure. We have a doctor set in what? What year is this set in? Probably eighteen something. It's like early twentieth century, I think. Yeah, eighteen eighteen twenties. Eighteen twenties. Um, we have a, a anatomist who is in need of bodies. He is in need of fresh ones. So he hires some grave robbers to bring him bodies. And then there are two kind of even worse people out there than grave robbers. And they steal the grave robbers' bodies. And then they decide, well, these aren't fresh enough. So let's start creating our own dead bodies that'll be fresher because that pays the most they start taking them to this doctor uh meanwhile we have a doctor's assistant who is falling for one of the whores of the town um and that's kind of your story right there yeah. mm-hmm. yes timothy dalton plays the uh the professor what is his name thomas rock yes thomas rock he is the uh, anatomy professor um, and I think, you know, at first, you know, when they start bringing in the bodies, does, would you say that he was, you know, fully aware that where these bodies were coming Not from? Not at first. He was he was aware that they were being stolen, obviously, the yeah, grave yeah. robbered ones. But when they started becoming murder victims, he he wasn't aware. Then he quickly became aware, but he was in denial mm-hmm. because yeah. he didn't want to. He, he doesn't. He was a strong 
believer in in science overall. That's Medical what science. matters. He's yeah, he yeah. is a scientist, and his craft is important for all of mankind. Mm-hmm. You know, this is early science here, where they're still learning a lot of stuff. Yeah. So sacrificing, you know, human life was was no. Yeah, and it then we was, have wasn't a problem for no him, big deal. You know? Yeah, yeah, we have uh, Broom and what was the other one's name? Fallon. Yeah, yeah, those are the two um, sort of uh, murderers. And I, first of all, I want to say that like I felt like there was a hundred percent chance that these could have turned into like bumbling type of crooks, and I'm so glad that they didn't. How so? How how do I feel like they could have? Yeah. Because they're sloppy, they're drunks, mm-hmm. they're like I could just see like a disaster for comedy right there, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and they steered clear away from it. This is a straight straight serious film. Um, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, th- this one is definitely very straight faced. I have another version of this story called Burke and Hare. Uh, it's from the seventies, and it's totally a comedic version of it. Um, I know for a fact that you would hate that movie, Jeremy uh, JP. Um, it's just way too comical, but, you know, comparing the two films, I, I, you know, I actually like them both. Um, I like the comical approach to it. It's not like, you know, retardedly over the top, but this one, it works well too, with being serious because of the, of what they're doing. It does make sense to be. Well, I definitely see that there's a, there's a comedy, there's room for a comedy version of this story, because like I said, I could feel how all of these situations can be played for a comedic tone, Mm -hmm. especially the drunken whores of the town and stuff like I can totally see it's being played for comedy. They do this. They do it so well in this film though, because without, you know, you know, it's very straight faced, but with, without making it comical, like the scene where they, uh, they're going to go bring the, I think it's towards the end, the, uh, the old lady. <clears throat> well, you know, the girl, the woman that they chopped the finger off. Mm-hmm. That was sad. Well, anyways, that scene right there. So they put her in this basket and then, uh, the one guy realizes he's like, man, we can't fucking sell this body. You left marks on the neck. Mm-hmm. Dude, right? listen, so, they, listen. so they stuff the body back <laughs> in the basket. And when they're running away, it, it almost could be taken as comical. But exactly. It's totally That's what I'm saying. There's so <laughs> many instances in this film where you can rewrite this script and change literally, one literally <laughs> like one or two words yeah. of, of dialogue and the whole film would be a, com- it would be a comedy. That's why I thought about it. Like it that, almost feel like it feels like it started as a comedy mm-hmm. and on rewrite, they changed it to a serious film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Roger Ebert it also gave, could Ebert be gave this one star. It also could be to where uh, this type of living, this uh, area, uh, time period, and this uh, – what, in uh, Scotland? Uh, it's so foreign to us that it comes off comedic. That could be it too. Um, but I, I'm very intrigued by just the foreign – uh, time period like I love time time pieces and uh, I, I I'm just interested in their lingo I'm interested in their money like that their living conditions their their habits like I, I'm I like that type of stuff so I really was interested in this one the, the whole way through I think mm-hmm. one thing one thing about this film that really works is that everyone's performances are outstanding I think Timothy Dalton's mm-hmm. great in this film is this the- uh, pa- Patrick Stewart's great um Julian Sands, uh, Jonathan Price, yeah. Stephen Ray. Like, everyone does a great job in this film. Everyone's believable. Is this the you first know? DVD release of this? No. It's no? been out. In Region 1? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Moods, hasn't it? 
Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I know. Really? I don't, I don't think this had a, a previous release here. Oh, wow. I know it had a VHS release, but I didn't know it had. Yeah, I don't think it was released on DVD or Blu-ray. Hmm. I think this did was you, the first release for it. Did you like this one, Jeremy? Um, Yeah, it's all right. You know my opinion on period pieces. I've said that when we did Warlock. You know, they're not really... They're not really my thing, um, but yeah, it was, it was okay. Would you like? Um, well, like, I thought the screenplay was actually pretty solid. To be completely honest, like you said, I like. I never thought of the film as as I was watching it, and when you were saying like you could change one one line of dialogue, and it would be it would come off as a comedian film, uh, you know, a, a funny film, like. Pretty, I have to rewatch it again and think about that because I think that's a pretty interesting point. Would you Would you like to see this as a comedian film, JP, or rather see it as a series? I could film? handle it because I feel like this this type of uh, material definitely can suit for that. But I'm just glad in this version that they didn't because like this is a dark story and and I feel like a version deserves to be made in a dark form. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I would be I would be okay with I I think that it could work actually and be pretty funny because it's like almost like a satire of the time. Uh, what did you think of the the two villains like the main villains? Um, I don't know I don't know you know I think what you said with the way that they're they're portrayed as scummy people like I kind of thought of them like from a moods like the villains from the Phantom's Carriage, the when they're drinking in the graveyard, like, like those kind of, like those kind of dirty ass guys, but um, yeah, they were okay. I really, I really liked the the banter back and forth between the two, um, especially when their relationship kind of Im- explodes or implodes, whatever one it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. What do you think of the soundtrack? Moods. Yeah, the score was decent. Yeah, I thought it was decent as well. I the think score is decent. I, th- I think one of the strongest elements, to the, well, a couple of strong things from this film is the uh, the sets look fucking fantastic in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because some are, are actual like on set, on so a set. Like some of the graveyard stuff is definitely a set. I guess yeah, this it, did have a region one release. Oh, did it? Um, yeah, I I love the look of the film, and I think the uh, the costumes and stuff are really fantastic too. Um, that atmosphere of like the dirty, uh, like like even the, the 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 costumes, like they're they're worn. Like it, it looks like a legitimate worn. Like they're just gross, dude. Like everybody's gross in this film. Like the even the people that are supposed to be like the pretty people are also mm-hmm. gross. <laughs> yeah, totally, <clears throat> completely agree with that right there. I really like the scene where. <laughs> Um, the fucking la- uh, the old lady again coming back to the old lady again. Uh, when you see her body going into the sewers, <laughs> I like the way that scene is. Like that could be played off as being very comedic too, because you got like that bum standing there watching the fucking thing. The yeah, if you just down. change the music slightly, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. That scene just kind of it, it intrigued me a little bit. I, I don't know, man. When I think of like period pieces from like the eighteen twenties and stuff, I don't think of like underground sewers and shit i don't know it just and, uh, yeah. it seemed odd to me <laughs> but i mean they obviously had them it just mm-hmm. i don't know i guess it's just me being wasn't ignorant a, but wasn't genie moods and and body bags also the actress who played genie twiggy yeah yeah i don't know i swore she was in body bags uh i don't know actually 
Mm. I'm not sure. Um, it's a story of greed. It's a story of science versus you know, like it's like the Frankenstein I, I, I like, theory and stuff. Yeah, I, I really liked where you know how this film is a you know everyone has like their own agendas with the you know the murders or the the grave robbers whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I just love the fact that like. <laughs> You know, they're just ultra greedy. You know, they start overdoing it big time. Um, but then you on the flip side, you got, uh, you know, Timothy Dalton's character, Thomas Rock. You know, he's got an agenda, too, that's like completely, you know, you can almost justify it mm-hmm. because, he, you know, there's a purpose for what he's, you know, yeah, allowing to happen. But he's still a monster, like though. At but the he's same still time. a monster. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly it's my conf- point of getting conflict. that. You, you basically have these two different worlds of monsters. Mm hmm. You know, you have one that's actually looked looked at upon in society as, you know, a very upper class and everyone looks up to this person kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, you have these murders that are doing basically the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, and you can you know, actually and, and really you can actually really go into it. And and there is a debate there for, well, who's the the biggest monster? Because you're taking advantage of people who are poor and alcoholics and you're mm-hmm. offering them mm-hmm. a lot of money to do this stuff. So, you know, it's like, well, you can't I mean, really blame them at all. The um, argument could be that, you know, Thomas Rock is the most villainous monster in the film because yeah. I mean, without him – you might not even have created these other monsters. Yeah, definitely. Right? Cause I these guys, these guys there. were scummy. They were scummy and alcoholic, but it doesn't mean that they were fucking murders and, you know, yeah. shit bags like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they had an opportunity that Thomas rock brought to them and they took it. Yeah. But so then he essentially created these monsters, which is an interesting way of looking at this. But then also there's the dynamic of the two friends and how they're different types of monsters because the one friend is clearly there simply to get paid while the other friend you're not so sure after a while what he's in it for. And I love that dynamic when they brought that in. Um, because he, he very he pretty much says like he's just – he doesn't care about anything. Mm-hmm. He, there's even a line in the film where he even says like I'm not scared of anything. I don't care about anything or whatever he says. So it kind of it kind of sums up his character, you know, basically with one line of dialogue in the film. He just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, but then there's that other moment when the two split apart because of uh, the way that the person wants to keep. Uh, that's kind of spoiler territory. I'll just drop that one. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there, I knew you were going with that. Yeah, there's so much. Um, there's so much subplot going on here. You have the stuff with uh, Doctor Thomas Rock and his his wife and his sister. Then you have the uh, Warlock's character um, who's in love with the the what what's her face the um, Twiggy girl Genie, mm-hmm. Genie. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. and she. And then you have the, the, the full brother and the sister who, like, his leg gets destroyed and stuff. And that came full circle towards the end as well, um, which I really liked. I thought that was a nice reveal, and it really kind of showed emotion from the character to, like, being – it's like, like, like you ignore what you're doing, but here it's shoved right in your face, and you have to look at it now. I you love guys think that of, scene. What do you guys think of the transfer? Uh, it's it's not like amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's okay for what it is for like a modes. Nah, I thought it was decent. I thought there was moments in the film that looked pretty good, especially like you know. But the interiors of, looked all right. Uh, it was more like you know the buildings and like the out like uh-huh. the outside shots and stuff. I thought some of the inside shots looked very very like kind of low quality DVD. 
Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, you could tell the quality difference in, in some of the shots, but you know, overall the transfer is kind of mediocre. I, I didn't think it was great. Yeah, I what like normally when I pop in at Scream Factory, I know like I'm usually like really impressed right away, and I wasn't with this one, but I, no. I mean, <clears throat> I, I really thought this was a great pickup for them. Uh, I, I like I really did enjoy this film a lot, and you know what was interesting? It's a Fox film. Yeah, I know it's a 20th Century Fox movie, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah, they've um, released Fox in the past. I, it wasn't um, the Funhouse Fox. Terror Train was Fox too. Yeah, yeah. So they, they've huh. they've messed with Fox a little bit. I don't know what the extent of that deal is, but just more Fox ones. They haven't okay. done anything Fox in a while, though. Between this and okay, Terror now Train. I now I remember. Okay, so going into this film, this is the first time I've ever actually seen this. You know, the version of uh, this film, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so I was looking at the case before I popped in, and I noticed on the back it said executive producer Mel Brooks. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. And so yeah. I popped it in, assuming this film was going to be comical Ooh. because of the other edition that I have. I have the Birkin Hair, which is the comical version of this story. So I see Mel Brooks's name, and I was like, well, this is obviously going to be comical. <laughs> and you can tell right away that this one is not going to be a comedy. Mm-hmm. I thought that was so intriguing. I love the so, cover, too. So it fucking threw me off. Like, you know, I do like the uh, the quote on the back by the Hollywood Reporter, uh, a gothic thriller. You know, it does have that kind of gothic feel too, doesn't yeah. it? It's it's the buildings <clears throat> and the the, the alleyways that. and how it's it's everything's not like straight and symmetrical. Everything's mm. cluttered. Like I, I like that look. To f- I like that era. That that just style and and look. I like the way they talk. And it's just it's the road. It's, it's those brick so, roads and the brick and the brick uh-huh. buildings and just it, it adds so much to it, man. And I, I don't even think disgusting. like the cinematography is. I don't even think the cinematography in this film is like overly that great. There's some really good shots in the end of the film mm-hmm. and stuff, but like just the set pieces and the costumes and stuff makes up for it all. I want to read you the you know. Well, there definitely could have been like more fog and stuff like that to really set up. Yeah. Like a, the graveyard atmospheres and stuff, but I was okay with it. I mean, I, I don't think that that was, um, you know, they, they technically, you know, overly <clears throat> achieved in those areas. But uh, I, I think the story is probably the strongest part of this. I, I, I like this, this, the all the script with um, all the subplots, everything coming together. I like, I, I really just like the the characters not like like them as like they're good characters like like nice people and stuff but like they were they were well done they were despicable some of them and um it came off real i guess i don't know if realistic's the word but it came off uh very believable yeah yeah believable is the word i want to read you the opening to roger ebert's one star review of this film so it says, it is impossible to discover on the evidence of the Doctor and the Devils why anybody connected with this movie thought it should be made. It is unredeemed, dreary, boring, gloomy dreck unilluminated by even the slightest fugitive moment of, mo- moment of inspiration or ambition. It is utterly depressing movie, not just because of its subject matter, but because neither tragedy nor humor are allowed to distract from its dogged progress from one dead scene to another. Listen, they played it too straight face for uh, Mr. for Ebert. Mr. Ebert Listen, there. Why he does like everything have to be happy? Why can't stuff be dark, dreary, depressing? I know, bleak. Like, like that's what I don't you have get to have. About. A, you have to have a counterbalance here, man. Yeah, like, things but, are fucking funny on one side of the spectrum. You need fucking movies like this to even it out. That I hate when people say like. Right? That, like it would like there. I I never understood the the concept of like. 
of it can't be totally bleak the whole time. Like, why not? Yeah, like, why why does there have to be a little bit of comedy to kind of, like, offset the, the whole dark tone of a film? Yeah, it, I mean, like, why, like, it, why is it that a fits in certain like, films, but it, of course it doesn't it does. have of to be in every film. That's exactly what my point is. I'm like, why does it have to be? That, those know, are it, the type it, of reviews that, like, make me, like, just in infuriated like, with Ebert. Like, I, like... Like, people tend to ignore those reviews and only focus on the ones where he says some, like, genius-type shit. And uh-huh. it's like, well, he said a lot of stupid shit a couple minutes ago, so... <laughs> 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 so, don't forget about those. Do you agree with what he said there, Jeremy? Not at all. I, the movie's not boring. I don't... Like, he doesn't like anything. That's horror. <laughs> I don't get it. I just don't get it. Well, he didn't say anything about, like, shitty performances or anything, so maybe he actually enjoyed the performances. Give it one star, dude. Yeah, one star. <laughs> yeah, he could have en- enjoyed the performances, but one star. Yeah, Dr. I mean, Rock that's a ac- little... Dr. Rock comes across as a constipated prig. His assistant, Julia Sands, so... comes across as Horano Elger, and the murderers are grisly caricatures scurrying around the streets with fresh corpse slung over their shoulders the only ray of sunshine comes from twiggy as a tart she looks great now that she puts on some weight (laughs) the doctor and the devil takes a drab middle road as a sort of docudrama about necrophilia as the disease of the week get the fuck out of here ebert listen guy wow uh, (laughs) you know i hate when someone uses um this is a negative. They'll say like the the you know Doctor Rock was a prick or, or like an like an, a a bad like a bad person. It's like so what? How is that a negative? That is a story. There's there's it's, he is the bad person in the story. If all of your if every single character is a mean person, that that's not a negative. That's just the story. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that cracks me up, man. We should just do one episode one time of just Roger Ebert. We just read Roger Ebert's reviews and then critique his reviews. Mm-hmm. That'd be a fun <laughs> show. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what else to say about the the, the film. Um, you know, without giving anything away. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else to say? Like any? I mean, it to me, it just works. Critiques? It works on mm-hmm. on pretty much every level. It's 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 not very ambitious. It's pretty simple. It's it tells the story, but I feel like where it kind of uh, you know goes maybe a, ahead of uh, what you would expect is when it it ties in so many different subplots. And I think it's for you think about what actually happens in this in the movie, how many on screen murders there are and stuff like that. There's not that many, so the film keeps moving. It's a 95 minute film or whatever. It keeps moving. Uh, relatively good because it's just there's so much happening in terms but it's there's not much happening at the same time there's not like visually things happening it's a lot of dialogue there's people talking there's subplots happening and that that's actually what propels your story the whole time and i found all of them to be kind of interesting Mm -hmm. well i mean without that i mean without that the the killings wouldn't have as much you know oomph to them you know jeremy you have anything to add on this one didn't really say a whole lot. Mm, no. <clears throat> I 
Right, ratings. <laughs> uh, sure, you go first. Okay. Uh, 8 out of 10. Mids? Um, yeah, I don't... Hmm. I'm kind of torn on this one right here. I've, I have it written down, um, but, you know, talking about it... Uh, I really do enjoy this film. I'm going to give it a seven and a half out of ten. Nice. I'm not like oh, I'm not like overly like you know you know going to freak out and give it like this crazy high mm. rating. But it's a, it's a really really solid film. I do recommend it. Great performances, and I've I've always thought that Timothy Dalton's kind of an underrated. You know, he kind of gets a bad rap because he was like you know everyone kind of labels him as that shitty Bond, but he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the films that he did, but um, yeah, whatever. Seven and a half out of ten. Yeah, me. Um, I wasn't really knowing what I was gonna like, like or dislike. I didn't know anything about it, and I thought the cover looked kind of, um, un like you couldn't really predict what the film was gonna be about from the cover. So I didn't really. But now after you've seen the film and you look at the cover, like yeah, it, it fits. Um, so I didn't really know how how I was gonna feel about it. But I ended up being very surprised with this one because I I really really did enjoy it. I I was super interested in like just the setting and and the characters the whole way through. Uh, it's a it's an eight out of ten. Go with an mm. eight. Cool. Right arm. All right. So that is gonna do it for the main or the featured review, um, Doctor and the Devils, and that is also gonna conclude the thirty fifth episode of the Twenty Two Shots of Moods and Horror. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, like I said off the top of the show, sorry if I sounded a little drizzled and a little uh, <laughs> beaten down. Been up for a fucking long time, so uh, please forgive me and my ignorance in the show a little bit. But um, yeah, anyways, I'll leave you guys to Jeremy. All right. So thank you, everybody, for listening to the 35th episode of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast as always you can follow the man moods himself at his channel at youtube.com slash moods 616 or if you're following watching the video on moods channel please click the subscribe button down below as always you can follow jp over at his channel at youtube.com slash double shot j and as always you can follow me on my channel at youtube.com slash nes ruler 22 if you have any questions you can email us the 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com that's 22 shots of moods a and d horror at gmail.com follows follows on twitter at 22 shots podcast and as always you can follow us on the facebook page if you have any questions, you can leave us a voicemail at 724-426-6665. Please leave the phone calls under three minutes unless you have more, and then please call back. But as always, we shall talk to you guys next week with the 36th episode of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast, where we will be reviewing the Silent Night, Deadly Night series in its entirety. So that shall be it. So we'll talk to you guys next week with another episode of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. Talk to you guys then. Thank you for listening. Peace.